Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Good morning to you. It is two minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five. And this is the month of July in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for uh, joining us on this Tuesday. It is 503-228-4101 if you would like to join us today via the telephone. 503-228-4101. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com rick at rickemerson.com sarah with an h at kufo.com tim at kufo.com uh, or greg nibbler our production assistant extraordinaire can be reached at nibbler n-i-b-l-e-r at kufo.com you can also uh text if you like at 52051 here's how you know it's going to be a good day because i have these two stories back to back one a woman accused in the shooting death of her common law husband told police her gun accidentally fired while they were playing a game of dirty cowboy during sexual foreplay, a Harris County prosecutor said. That's back to back with this story. A woman has been arrested after accosting her live-in boyfriend with a pink sex toy. And the headline actually is even better than that. The headline just says Woman arrested after repeatedly poking boyfriend with sex toy. There you go. That's the key to a fantastic show right there. Sorry, a little uh, something there. All right, it's 503-228-4101 if you would like to join us today. We are uh, rejoined by Tim Riley, who is on the road to Wellville, I believe. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. The best part is that you open your mouth and you had a huge uh, cough right there as I... Uh, as I use that phrase. Hello, Tim. How are you today? I'm doing much better, thank you. Well, you sound much better. I'll get better as the day goes on. Is that true? Because normally it's the other way around. Like myself, if I come in, if my uh, if I've lost my voice, or if I'm feeling, if I am not in, uh, if I am not in perfect throat health, and I come in, usually I can come out of the gate and I'm sort of strong. But by the time I don't know, by the, the second or third hour rolls around, that I'm back to a rasp. You find that it's uh, the opposite with you. I, I'm after the, the day of stop taking Nyquil. And I'm sort of here, but kind of not. But good enough to drive back and forth. You are after the day of stop taking NyQuil. Does that make sense? Probably not, huh? Let's pretend that it does. Okay. Oh. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello. I'm exhausted, but well, I... I, I know I how think, you feel. No, I think I fell asleep on my drive over here. I, I hit... I ran into... Um, <laughs> when I was going Just back one over person. the Hawthorne <laughs> Bridge. Just Nobody who really person. matters, though. Because no, I was like thinking how warm my car was, because I'm like, wow, my heat is yeah really working this morning. This heat I, is warm. It's no, like I, being inside a womb. Maybe no, I'll go to sleep. And I found myself starting to like close my eyes a little bit, and I'm getting off the Hawthorne Bridge, and I'm taking a left to get onto you know First Avenue. Totally run onto the sidewalk. 
Wow. Yeah. It was, I was completely delirious. I don't know. It's going to be a great day. Yeah. But that definitely woke me up. Where were you when this happened? I mean, just in case anybody should come and ask me later under oath. (laughs) No, just right downtown. Just right when I got off the bridge. So you got to, okay, so you're going There's nobody out there. Well, I mean, you know, even if there were, I mean, that's what they get for being on the sidewalk at this hour. So you got off the Hawthorne Bridge and then you. When you take that left to get onto First Avenue. Oh, yeah, before, like, if you were going to stay on and it goes straight downtown, but you take that left, it's like yeah, a right weird... Yeah, where that new big building is. It's like a diverted... Yeah, it's like a, like a divert you... Um, yeah, right before, uh, like, Veritable Quandary. And there's the little island between the going straight and the turning the left lane. Yes. So you turn to the left, and then when you say you go onto the sidewalk, is it onto that little island in the middle of the road, or was it the sidewalk on your left? The sidewalk on my left. Wow. Yeah, I just ran into it, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, and woke up, I'm like, oh, Jesus. So let me understand this. So you actually <laughs> fell asleep while driving here. Tim is already planning on falling asleep while driving home. <laughs> no, I, I'm fine as long as I keep my GPS on. It, it remains to be seen what's going to happen to Greg and I today. Oh, by the way, did you see that? There was a great story, and... I mean, great, I guess it's a bit of a broad term. Oh. A story in Yahoo News this morning. Let's see, where did it go? Where's the headline? It started with a sore throat. Two days later, she was dead. Uh-oh. So everybody can just sort of... That's I mean, not I'm, nice. I mean, it has no... I'm not saying that for any particular purpose. That bears this no is only one day later. Has no... Well, so, you know, so we have a big Wednesday to look forward to. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. So uh, without further ado, we should say that we saw the new Harry Potter film last night. Sarah and I and Greg uh, were there. Tim was at home uh, recuperating. We won't uh, spoil anything, obviously. We're not going to ruin anything for anybody. And we should save our full review for probably till I guess, Thursday. Is it open Wednesday? I can never tell how they do things anymore. Wednesday? Is it tomorrow at yeah, midnight or is it tonight too. at midnight? Well, it opens Wednesday, but does that mean tonight? Yes, if it's midnight. But I mean, so it's not Wednesday evening. It is Wednesday morning at yes. midnight. Things okay. are seldom open during the evening. All right, so it's a, so that opens in, whatever, the 19 hours or something. So Harry Potter opens tonight at midnight, apparently, which means we can kind of give our full... All, you know, full review sort of tomorrow, but uh, for now I will just give the, the short form review, which is to say that it's fantastic. It was awesome, easily the best in the series so far. Which is, and it's, and of all seven books, Half Blood Prince is my favorite. Um, I was a huge fan of Order of the Phoenix. The book, the movie was was all right. Um, I'm a big fan of the book, and I kind of wondered how there were certain sequences that would translate to film. I'm not going to get bogged down, except to say that Sarah and I, we were watching uh, Harry Potter last night. And it's kind of amazing that I'm not more exhausted than I am. So maybe it'll all catch up with me uh, later. I, I yeah, feel because like I had a hard time falling asleep after the movie because I had such adrenaline. Going. Oh man, I had I kept having weird dreams about about Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, I kept having these weird Bellatrix she Lestrange. She was creepy in that She's movie a yesterday. Nut is what she is. She's terrifying. Um, so Sarah and I had had just for months been because we knew the Harry Potter movie was coming out. We kept talking about this one sequence, which I will not elaborate upon, but it's a very sort of gripping sequence that takes place in a lake. With Harry and Dumbledore towards towards the end, about the, I don't know about four fifths of the way through, and we kept thinking like, how are they going to make this into a movie? It's so sort of intense and it's so bleak and it's so dark and it's whatever. And there was that moment in the movie last night when Dumbledore says something about, and once again, Harry, the things will begin to suck. And then they, you know, and Sarah and I, so we're sitting about five people apart in the theater, sort of looked <laughs> forward and we kind of made eye contact because we, we knew that that scene was about to begin. And it was exactly as I envisioned it. Was it was exactly how I thought it would Which be. Which is bizarre. I mean, mm-hmm. because it's, I mean, and I guess, it, I guess maybe it's not that bizarre because she's such a great wordsmith, J.K. Rowling. She can paint a picture so well. But very rarely, even even with a, an author who is 
you know, is very gifted in that way. A lot of times a filmmaker just has, you know, they have their own vision or the production design just ends up being changed in some way. But very rarely do you see something that just hues so closely to what you thought it was going to be. Um, anyway, so big thumbs up on Harry Potter mm. last night. It was just great. Uh, well, before we go to the news desk to try to find out what, what kind of headlines and things and happenings and so forth we have, I should say, coming up at 7 o'clock today, we're going to talk to uh, ultimate fighting legend Randy Couture. He'll be with us. We've also got Don Taylor from Cinematical who's going to join us. Dax Holt uh, from TMZ uh, will be with us. In fact, and Sarah, well, I'm thinking about we'll have to adjust that the CNN sheet because it seems it, it occurs to me that I... I Scheduled group at the same time as Dax Holt. You want to met That's, uh, That is my fault. We'll have to figure that out during the break. Um, and uh, this is all true. All right. Tim Riley, well, let's just do this. What uh, headlines are we following here on this uh, glorious Tuesday morning? What? Try this again. Oregon's unemployment rate is stagnant. More than 10,000 butterflies have been released to Washington State, courtesy of the Oregon Zoo. And it costs more to park downtown now. It doesn't seem to be so much. You sometimes there'll be an eye, ear, nose, and throat doctor. Yeah. You seem to be mostly nose uh, this morning. That seems to be where the is the issue more in your nose or more in your throat. I'm surprised my nose is still fastened to my face. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it in the mirror yesterday. Oh no, it looks like a, a Michael Jackson nose. Oh well, no. See, I was no appearance wise. No, no, no. You're flawless mm. as always, Tim. Your porcelain skin and fine features continue to astound us all. Yes. I was just going to. It sounds as though you got a little congestion going on in your nose. Yes, a little bit. It's that thing, and I only say this because it, because as a broadcaster, that's you spend so much time listening to your own voice mm-hmm. and trying to figure out if you sound, you know, if you sound good and just a, and just just. A, I've heard enough. <laughs> obsessing over your over your own conveyance of sound, yes. and occasionally you get that thing where your nose gets some weird sort of rattly resonance, and I can hear just the tiniest, you know, not that you're not. You know, no, of course, I know. Bringing the genius as you always do. No, right. no I understand fully. All right. Did I mention this story about poking her uh, boyfriend with a with a sex toy? Yes, you did. And not poking him where you think he might have been poked. You mean in the air? Yes, in the air and in the back of a Volkswagen. All right. Straight ahead, uh, we have uh, what do we have straight ahead? Steve Kastenbaum. Straight ahead, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Uh, we'll also find out what's going on in the world with uh, Tim Riley later on. Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture, and we will talk to Dax Holt from TMZ. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. It is Tuesday morning. Good morning to you. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. An excursion into whimsy. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up later on, Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture will be here uh, in the studio, threatening us all and acting in a generally menacing fashion. Uh, Dax Holt from TMZ, and we'll also talk to Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles also. So, Greg, let's, let's, this is a good opportunity to test out Greg's microphone. So we've got uh, Randy on line one. He wishes to discuss the difference between... He wishes to discuss the difference between uh, J.K. Rowling and and Tolkien. Is that the uh, is that the general gist of this uh, of this call? That is, in fact, the general gist. Hey, listen to that. Your microphone is uh, is operating uh, perfectly. You. Is All it right. actually coming through? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. All right. So we'll get to uh, Randy here in just a few. Randy, hang hang tight. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the. Oh, I'm sorry. That's me. I'm picking up the wrong line. And Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City. 
Hello. That was a little that was a little brain problem I had there when I reached exactly for the wrong button and said the wrong thing at the right. It was a confluence of bad what I just did. How are you, uh, Steve Kastenbaum? I'm doing good. It was like a Phil Donahue caller. You say what? Hey, are we getting uh, Steve in both channels, you guys? Hello, hello. All right, I'm getting myself. It just FYI, I'm getting myself in both channels, but Steve in only the left. Oh no. So that's yep. me uh, too. Yeah, Tim is getting uh, Steve in only the left channel as well. Oh, there we go. All good? right, yeah, okay. Uh, okay, and by the way, uh, Sarah fell asleep while driving to work this morning and went up on the sidewalk with her car. No one was hurt, but I thought you'd like to know that just for entertainment value. Wow. Yes, indeed. All right, how was we your morning, my friend? We have to get up early, Steve. <laughs> yes, I'm I sure. I, I, I razz you about that all the time. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, start preparing your story now for the man. Uh, good morning, Steve Castam. How is your uh, day going so far? Doing well, doing well. So I've got this uh, headline in front of me from CNN, and it just says, this reminds me of a phrase from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where they talk about, uh, you know, there's a perfectly justifiable and universal paranoia, because everything you do really is being observed. And it says here, it's easy to feel like every move is being watched online. However, that's because every move you make online is being watched, says Steve Kastenbaum. So really, it's not paranoia. I really am just being tracked at every single conceivable moment of my life. So, yeah, you know, I have a friend who got engaged. Uh, he is Jewish. His fiance is Catholic. And uh, he changed this uh, status on his Facebook page. And all of a sudden, all the ads start appearing uh, for books about interfaith marriage. And he started talking to me about, uh, you know, how do they do that? What's going on on the Internet? Well, well, Facebook is one thing, because they base their ads on information you freely hand over to them. But what about all those other websites? You know, you go on the website, and all of a sudden all the ads in the right-hand side or the little corner start uh, uh, appearing, and they seem to be directed right at you, like something very specific about your likes, your dislikes, or where you're from. Well, there's a reason for that. Uh, the ad agencies basically, and a lot of people know this is going on now, they, they place a cookie on your web browser, and that cookie tells all other websites, tells the advertising mechanisms on those websites what other websites you've been visiting, right? And then they base the ads that you're going to see on where you've been traveling online. This is actually uh, something my wife and I were just talking about the other day because you sort of, you know, I mean, I kind of have a basic knowledge about these things operate, so you sort of know that this stuff goes on, but it still kind of weirds you out because I went to I mean, it was some relatively innocuous website. It was Amazon or something. But I went to Amazon and said, Based upon your previous purchases, we think you would enjoy the following items. And the weird thing was, everything they recommended was stuff that my wife and I had actually pondered buying recently. It was stuff that we'd sort of discussed. And I don't think I'd actually gone online anywhere to sort of look for some of this stuff. But I guess they must. there must be just some kind of algorithm they put together where they figure out spending patterns and shopping behavior. And they figure that you've purchased the following three things over the last three weeks you're more than likely interested in, you know, one of the following items. And then they throw something up, which, you know, and so it gets to be sort of like a, you know, like you're in a, you know, like you're at a tent revival and some guy is, uh, you know, some guy is, is doing mentalism on you and telling you exactly what part of your body you need healed by him. And clearly he's just sussed it out from anecdotal information that you've, you know, unconsciously offered up. But it freaks you out nonetheless. It is freaky. I mean, how do they know... Uh... So quickly, that's what's amazing about it, is, you know, you, you go onto a website and immediately the ads are there. 
that uh, pertain to your personal interests. Like if you like a specific sport or a specific team, all of a sudden the ads on the next website you go to uh, pertain to that sport. And, and uh, some people actually like this. They want to see ads that, that actually interest them as opposed to ads that, uh, you know, that they'll never click on in a million years. Obviously, advertisers like this. But there are folks who are creeped out about this. So I spoke to Charles Curran. He's with an organization called the Network Advertising Initiative, and I asked him, how in the world do you opt out of this? We run a website at networkadvertising.org where a consumer can go and opt out of behavioral advertising by any or all of our member companies. Networkadvertising.org is where you got to go. But the thing is, the only ones you can opt out of are, are the, the major ad agencies that are taking part in this initiative. So there's no guarantee that it'll be completely off your computer. Hey, by the way, speaking of Facebook, here's a creepy thing that happened. I mean, it, I guess it doesn't bother me. I, I sort of assume that I have no privacy anyway. I mean, I just sort of I figure that everywhere I go, everything I do is being, uh, uh, you know, that watched and monitored, that I'm on security cameras constantly, and that everything I do is being recorded in a massive database somewhere. But I have a BlackBerry, which I love. But at some point over the last, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago, something happened with my BlackBerry. So now when Sarah calls me, and I didn't enter this information myself, by the way, when Sarah calls me and the screen lights up on the BlackBerry and it tells me who's calling, and it actually says Sarah Dillon, and below that it says CBS Radio, and then her Facebook picture appears on my phone. Ooh. It's, the, it's the most bizarre thing. Isn't that weird? That's creepy. Like, whichever one I have it changed to. At yeah, that it's moment? like your Facebook profile picture just appears on my BlackBerry. It's the freakiest thing. And I have no idea why that's the case. Did you download the Facebook uh, application, like Facebook for your BlackBerry? I, I, you know, maybe I, I, I might. have that, but you, whenever you call me, your face doesn't pop up. See, so that's so that kind of stuff just weirds me. It makes me think of, that's some sort of weird Skynet thing happening inside my phone. I don't want to think about it. It is really weird. By the way, when you talk to Jim Roop later, if you want to hear about something else that's weird, uh, there's an article, an exclusive in the New York Post uh, today about Debbie Rowe and uh, asking for one final massive payment from the Jackson family in exchange for giving up her parental rights. You know, we should all ask for one final massive payment from the Jackson family, and in exchange, we'll just leave them alone. You know what I mean? Just sort of, you know, prorate it out where we all get like 17 bucks or something. Yeah. All right. Have a good day, my friend. Take care. Bye. All right, there you go. Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, we'll break here in just one moment. Let's uh, Because I inadvertently picked this lineup and then I had to put it back on hold before that. Uh, remember that time six minutes ago when I couldn't figure out how to use the phone? Uh, good morning. Is this Randy? Actually, it's Jerry. Jerry, yeah. Randy. All right. Hey. Close enough. This guy that you called Randy, Greg, his name's Jerry. Just FYI. All right. Hello, Jerry. How are you this morning? I'm well. How about you? I am uh, I am fantastic. If a little sleep deprived. How can I assist you? I am a huge Tolkien fan. I read it through all the books. And when the movies came out, they started with the uh, trilogy. And everything in the movie was exactly as I had envisioned. And Tolkien, he had a penchant for his literary style, to describe everything down to the nth degree. Yes. He took 70 pages to describe the entrance to Bilbo's Burl, and you saw that at the beginning of The Lord of the Rings, and on and on. And when you started talking about the literary style of uh, uh, Harry Potter, I'm yes. not familiar with any of the Harry Potter movies or books. Yes, sir. But the comparisons to me are curious to me, and I would just like to know if you're familiar with the Tolkien books and movies, and which do you think did a very better literary style of describing their 
uh, books as well as applying it to the movie. Uh, well, okay, so a couple of thoughts in, in no particular order. A, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien did have this sort of, he, uh, Charles Dickens did this thing where he would, uh, because I think he was paid by the word, actually, if I remember correctly. And so when Charles Dickens wrote A Tale of Two Cities, that's why he would spend like 15 pages describing what a tree looked like or something, because he was getting, uh, literally getting paid for every word that he wrote because they were, uh, because, um, because Dickens novels were published as serials, most of them in in periodicals, they were published in the newspapers, one one chapter, one section at a time. And his whole thing was, well, hey, they're paying me by the word. I'm just going to take forever to write everything. And so Dickens would just take forever to describe every single thing that happened in the book. And Tolkien has a little bit of that, but that's because Tolkien had no. He had, in other words, Tolkien had no Tolkien to emulate. There was really nothing that existed like those fantasy novels before Lord of the Rings. So he was kind of creating this entire world from scratch. Um, J.K. Rowling, who writes the Harry Potter books, does sort of a scaled down version of that. But as as tempting as it is to sort of compare Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings because it's the hero's journey and the you know it's the sort of uh, it's the Joseph Campbell you know the hero with a thousand faces and all that. Um, the writer, and I can't speak for Sarah on this, she might want to weigh in, but the writer that J.K. Rowling, who's the Harry Potter creatress, uh, the writer that she reminds me the most of is not Tolkien. Uh, she reminds me a lot of Rule Dahl, who was the guy that wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, oh, that. James and the Giant okay. Peach. Yeah, you read her descriptions, uh, especially things that are sort of whimsical, like when they go to the, uh, like the, you know, to um, Honey Duke's candy store, any of the, the stuff in Diagon Alley. They also have a way of being really scary at the same time. Yeah, it, it, they, and also she has a, she has a great knack for coming up with uh, nonsense words, you know, words that she's created that um, that are nonetheless very evocative of a certain image, uh, you know, and a great, like, a great example of that is, uh, you know, is like Voldemort or Snape or Slughorn or, you know, whatever, all of which could have sound like vermicious nid and so forth. So that would be my, uh, my quick estimation, sir, is that they are um, sort of in the same, um, they're in the same genus, but not the same species. What's interesting about your answer yes. is that you've kind of grouped the uh, four writers that you mentioned into old English and new English, if you will. Well, it's one of my one of my many skills, sir. We're uh, we're over time, but I want to thank you for listening. How did you uh, discover this fine program? Oh, I listen to you regularly. Excellent. Thank you. You spread the word, my friend. There you go. That's uh, nah, that's Jerry. There you go. All right. On that note, and that's notes, N-O-T-T-E, uh, we will return with more news from Tim Riley at the news desk in just a moment. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Tuesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. My humor comes from watching my parents have sex, smoke weed, my mom being naked. On Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up later on, uh, TMZ's Dax Holt will join us. We'll also talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles and Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture will be in the studio. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Hello, everyone. It is 543. It's going to be really hot all week and high temperatures hitting the 90s. There is an alleged child sex predator on the loose. Cops say 67-year-old Philip Riley, no relation, missed his recent court date and is now a fugitive. He's been charged with molesting a 9-year-old boy at the Beaverton YMCA last year. Investigators think Riley left the area with his passport for a warmer climate. His bail set at $5 million. 
pigs and people must now avoid each other at Oregon's country fairs. Agriculture officials fear people could pass the swine flu onto animals. Now, six feet's a good distance between pigs and people. Wash your hands a lot, too. Oregon has 420 swine flu cases and four deaths. It says right here, this is from the front page of the Oregonian. Fairgoers, try not to sneeze on the swine. And this is, says the thing here that uh, this is uh, uh, Don Hansen, who is uh, from, he's a state veterinarian. And it you know echoes your thing that pigs might catch the flu from people. So I don't know if we actually, people, I don't know if we actually revealed this. Uh, we, now we know somebody. I don't think we said it. On but was air. it? Did we decide it was public knowledge? Was yeah, it on no, their he, Facebook page? He posted it. Yeah. David Walker has swine flu. He had swine flu. Oh, he doesn't have it now. No, he he's been he's, cured. He's, he gets over. So this is so David Walker, who is um, uh, he writes for uh, badassmofo dot uh, com. He's a film reviewer. Uh, he has done uh, you know DVD reviews for Court and Bobby uh, for a long time. Although I think he's got like an actual, I think he's got like a respectable job at this point. So I think he's had to divide up his time a little bit differently. Um, but he uh, spent some time uh, on the show uh, with us sort of a, toward the end of last year, the beginning of this year, during a, a certain period of uh, unpleasantness. And he, there was something else. Oh, and he did, he made Black Santa's Revenge. That was the other thing. He's a local Which filmmaker as well. Which is the And he's just great. He's just, he's just, he's just filled cool. with, with hate and bile and, and whatever. Um, and swine flu. So I got this email from him a while back, which is why I mentioned it to Sarah, and I guess it's on his Facebook page, where he says, hey, by the way, you know how I've, uh, you know, I've been feeling kind of under the weather. Yeah, I got the swine flu. And he says it was really disappointing, too, because he felt, you know, he felt kind of bad, felt kind of run down. He goes to the hospital, and he says, yeah, so I'm kind of feeling bad. I just want to figure out what that's about. Maybe I got some sort of a bug or something. And so they give him a test, and they send him home. And then he said that the biggest disappointment was that there wasn't, like, they didn't even come to his house. Like, they just called him. And they're like, hello, David Walker? Yeah, you got uh, you got the swine flu. So, you know, stay off your feet and have some, have some liquids. All right, goodbye. And I think he was waiting... To just sort of, if the guys in hazmat suits to come into his house like he was, uh, you know, like he was D. Wallace in E.T. Apparently, the whole thing was very uh, unremarkable. All right. Uh, here is uh, Tim Riley. Southwest Airlines given 200 aircraft a swift going through after a hole blew open in the fuselage of a 737 last night. The Baltimore bound flight with 126 passengers aboard was forced to make an emergency landing in West Virginia. Less than an hour after taking off from Nashville, Passenger Michael Cunningham was sitting directly underneath the opening. I would think he'd be above the opening. I think this is written improperly. If he was underneath the opening, he would no longer be there. I would say he was above the opening. So this is so what happened? But uh, an op- this is in a plane, and yes, it was the- a football-sized hole exploded on the plane. Oh, mm-hmm. hadn't got a lot of sleep this weekend, so I uh, dozed Where, off. What is next thing I knew? The loudest roar I have ever heard woke me up, and people started to look up right above my seat. So he's above the hole, <laughs> but I mean. Was it where was the hole where a window was, or was it? I mean, you can't just have a hole open in the side of a plane for no reason. Sure, you can. All right. Well, that's an unnerving thought. All right. Mm-hmm. He said the move uh, on the plane after the uh, cabin lost pressure was more calm than expected. I was kind of expecting a castaway like decompression of the plane, but everybody just calmly looked up, figured out what was going on, and about ten seconds at most after the hole occurred, the mask dropped out. I'd be waiting for more for for a swept away a decompression of the plane where I end up hanging out with a wacky French guy. Uh, please describe the hole. He looked up and you could definitely see the the sky through it. I could put my arm out of it if I wanted to. 
I mean, that's just disturbing. What sort of plane was this? Just so I can like avoid it in the uh, future. Seven forty-seven. You, you can't afford uh, seven thirty-seven. You can't avoid those. So this wasn't like a like a Cessna or some like small that's a big plane. This is an actual like lost. Uh, yeah. This is an oceanic plane, mm-hmm. and a hole just appeared in the side of the plane that he could put his arm out of. Yeah. All right. Here's the disturbing thing about that. I don't really understand. Like, this is that thing you've seen a million times in movies where, like, a, a tiny uh, hole appears on the side of a plane and everything just gets, and, and the hole just gets bigger and bigger because, out. yeah, because it just decompresses and then you, everything gets sucked out like the end of Alien Resurrection. And I suspect that that's not entirely true. I, it's just a hunch, but I think that that may be, that myth might be, uh, might be bustable because I can't, I can't imagine that the pressure, like I think if you were in space or something, that would probably happen. But I think on Earth, no matter how, I mean, you could be at 40,000 feet, but it seems like the difference in cabin pressure to the outside pressure is probably insufficient to be sucking everything out that giant hole. But that seems to be less the issue than the fact that the hole just appeared in the side of the plane for no reason. That this, like one minute you're fine, and the next minute there's a hole the size of a dinner plate right next to you while you're in a, you know, an airplane. It's just distinctly unnerving. Oh, we just received a report of a, uh, a tree that has fallen into a house. This is at Southwest 170th between Heritage Court and Johnson Street. Fallen power cables. Caution, a tree has fallen into a house and has pulled the power cables with it. Crews are at the scene and there's some possible delays around 170th Avenue. I believe that might be on the west side. All right, then. Another news from uh, Florida comes word. Florida. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, all I can find is the... I had this old, in your face. I had this all queued up for the Tolkien. The shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly in the movie. Serenity. I was already to bust that out during our Harry Potter discussion a while back, and then I never you got had to fail about the Florida. Yeah, I know. All right. A bullet from a gun that was accidentally dropped injured a Tampa woman sitting in a bathroom stall. The bullet hit 53-year-old Jennifer Bliss in the lower left leg. She was taken to the hospital with minor injuries. She was sitting on a toilet in the hotel bathroom when a woman in the next stall accidentally let her handgun slip. <laughs> From underneath her waist holster, the weapon discharges and hit the ground. The gun belonged to a 56-year-old woman who has a concealed weapons permit. The case is being referred to the state attorney general's office. It seems implausible, though, because if you had a waist holster, I mean, I, I say with all of it, because in my mind, though, they all just look like Doc Holliday's thing from Tombstone. How would that slip, like, even if you were shoving, even if you were sitting and you're shoving your pants down, how does it then slip? And here's the other thing. How does it happen that a gun falls out and hits the ground and goes off? You know what I mean? Like, doesn't that sort of presume that the gun, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a revolver, even if it was a revolver. Like, how would that even, how would that work? How does it happen that you could drop a gun and it discharges? I know, you hear about that happening a lot, though. It yeah, happens but, a lot. Yeah, but, but how, I guess, is my point, because it's got a, in other words. Because you have to push the trigger? Yeah, and it's got, and, trigger, well, and there's it a. fell on something. And there's a trigger guard. So, like, if I could, so, Sarah, if I just gave you a pistol and just had you drop it on the floor. How could it possibly go off? It seems like the trigger would have to fall. The gun would have to fall in such a way that the trigger caught on something, and it would have to fall. And those triggers are, you know, t- t- you know, usually takes a lot. Of, you know, several pounds of pressure to pull a trigger. That you know, you don't. That the so-called hair trigger doesn't really exist most of the time unless you get a gun customized. So, it's like how would the how would it fall with enough pressure that it actually pulled the trigger? That sounds like there's something we don't. Uh, it sounds like there's more to this story than we're being told, Tim. So I demand some sort of thorough investigation. I think there's just more to the guns than we know. Prob- That's true. <laughs> Probably and to Florida. Yes. It seems like maybe they operate with a different kind of firearm in that mm-hmm. state. All right, so uh, one more here, and then we'll get caught up. One more. Well, uh, I don't want to do that. You sounded like Mary Miller just there uh, getting ready to interview Holly Hunter. Sort of a uh, talk. 
A new billboard in Fort Myers, Florida, hopes to keep motorists from talking on cell phones while driving. Fort Myers where, Tim? A reaction. It emits a, an acid that can cause like dermatitis to people. That's not the Florida sounder. I'm sorry. The billboard directs people to deathbycellphone.org to hear stories of the deadly potential of distracted driving. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can't wait to go there. Wait a minute, but it's a, but it's a what? It's a billboard? Yes, it is. Do you think you might be distracted if you're driving down the road and you just, there's a huge billboard that says deathbycellphone.org? That's what it says here. Because immediately I'm going to take out my Blackberry and just begin thumbing that in as I'm traversing the many highways of that state. Officials say a cell phone was to blame in a North Naples accident as the driver dropped his phone, tried to pick it up, and slammed into a dentist's office. Distractions are dangerous, period. Well, says the founder of Staying Alive, Just Drive. All right, then. Uh, coming up next hour, we have uh, Dax Holt from TMZ, who will join us. At 640, we'll talk to Jim Roop from Los Angeles as well, from uh, CNN Radio Los Angeles. Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture in the studio later. Don Taylor from Cinematical. And uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Tuesday morning. You stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Portland. That's uh, a little irony is what that Stop is. Stop it. Good morning to you. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. This is a new music bed. I don't think I've heard this before. Greg, is this a new music bed? Well done, sir. It's very soothing. Now it is. music bed. I like the uh, I like the mellow tip that we're on right now. All right. And by the way, we should uh, give it up to Greg who did a uh, he did a fantastic job. Oh yes, that's what I heard. Stepping into the void yesterday, into the yes. storm, into the maelstrom, uh, and uh, and though no one can ever fill Tim Riley's shoes, uh, he really uh, it, you know the thing is Greg didn't feel it. You know what he is? Greg created his own set of shoes that were sort of uh, you know next to yours. They were fantastic. Uh, he was doing his own. He was kind of bringing in his own style yesterday, and then Adam in turn was filling in for Greg. So it was just sort of the whole musical chairs thing. But it actually went very well. So uh, thanks to Greg and uh, and Adam both for uh, for helping Thank us you, out. Greg and Adam during your time of need. What headlines are we following on this uh, Tuesday, Tim? Well, fancy you should ask. There are a whole bunch of job postings, more jobs and people in the city close to here. I will talk about Oregon's unemployment rate, and one of the best beaches in the world is here in Oregon. Can I find out about those jobs by going to CBS.com and looking at some of the postings they have available? No, you have to listen to us. Okay. I don't share information. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't, I don't know what we're talking about right now. All right. Those are the headlines. Is that what you asked for? <laughs> yes. And that I, is it. Okay. Uh, it's just going to be one of those Usually days. You, get I'm, you, you know <laughs> Maybe what? Maybe more. I'm, I'm just going to be... Uh, I swear to God there was only two there. Where, what was the third one? Oregon Beaches. Oh, I didn't hear that. Seattle. No. Okay, here's one, what happened. Two, three. Here's what here's what happened. Uh, when you said the second thing, which is about jobs available yeah. somewhere near here, mm-hmm. I don't even think I th- I heard the third one because I was already because the, the, because the second one had already sort of caused me to begin ruminating on things. So I didn't even hear that. It's got to be hot, hot, hot. Temperatures hitting ninety today. Not today, but tomorrow and the next day. Uh, Some other random day in the future. It's going to be 90 degrees today. When I don't know. Someday. I don't know. (laughs) And in other news, Sarah, you will lead a life of religious fulfillment. Today Uh, it is going to be 83. I love today. Tomorrow 90. I don't ever want today to be 90. 
Are you medicated at this moment, Tim? Not that I would think less of you, of course. Yes, he just nodded. I mean, All right. not. Can I ask? I haven't what, taken anything since yesterday. But I mean, what? what were you, you yesterday was only world, six nothing, hours ago. Nothing though. worked, so I tried a little bit of everything yesterday. <laughs> you know, and now I'm fine. You know, it's only six a.m. So yesterday is sort of a relative uh, concept at this point. Uh-huh. Was this? Uh, let's just go through the list. Nyquil. Yes. Uh, I don't even know what it's what like there is. Kind of like stone dies right now. <laughs> what else can you even? What else can you buy besides Nyquil? Uh, I mean, is it, uh, let me. Can I ask this? Uh, what about like the good stuff in Washington? I was going to ask. Are you on cold are, medication? Are you on any sort of cold medication uh, that you would that would require a prescription in Oregon? No. No Sudafed. Yes. Okay. Well, that oh, yeah. so that's a yes because I think you can't buy that here. Uh, you have to have a prescription to buy Sudafed. Uh, that me too. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I have some too. <laughs> Here's the, can I just tell you this? Here's the thing about that that stupid Sudafed law, which is uh, this is the government uh, meddling in action. I mean, it's like the very personification of the man uh, reaching into my life and making things more difficult for me. Here's the strange thing about that law: is it's actually turned me. Sort of into what they don't want. I have become a guy who hoards Sudafed now. And that's the thing about that law. They don't want you to be able to buy it in the store because they don't want you to buy a whole bunch of it. That's because people use it to make meth, whatever. So when I lived in Utah, they would serve. When I lived in Utah is when those um, those ephedrine tablets were really popular. And so you would, you know, the kids would go to the store and they buy these big uh, bottles of mini thins. And Sarah knows what I'm talking about when mm-hmm. I say that. And well, we you, didn't even start about many things. And so they would occasionally bust some guy, and they'd pull him over, and his trunk would have like 500 bottles of ephedrine tablets and then 500 boxes of matches. And then he would go home, and he'd be making meth in his basement. And they, you know, and so that, then they started by cracking down on how many you could buy. Like, you could only buy one bottle at a time, and then you're like... And then I think the next level was you could only buy one bottle of those, like anything with ephedrine, a pseudoephedrine at a time, but your name like went into a book or something. It was like some log or some ledger, mm-hmm. so you could only buy one like every week. And so now they've just banned it all together in Oregon unless you have a prescription because they don't want people to have massive amounts of it. So what do I do? Every time I go to Washington, I buy it, and at my home, I have massive amounts of it. That's like me with Sparks. It's exactly. Pretty soon they're going to start booking Sudafed vacations. It's exactly. No, they like took that. out. No, they took out all the good stuff in Sparks, and but they still sell it in Washington. When you say good stuff, do you mean malt liquor? No, they still have the malt liquor part still there, but it still has. What is uh, the good stuff? Uh, they took out the taurine and like caffeine and guarana and like all the stuff that made it kind of cracky. Wait a minute. So they left in. So they so, so they left in the, the same, booze, but they, they, they took out the caffeine. Yes, but they but they get the packaging the same so that they can still sell it, but it doesn't have any caffeine in it. Although they still like pretend that it does. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why but would they, they... But, but they took it out in like certain states? So they took it out in Oregon, but Washington still has it. So whenever I go up to Washington, I'll um. This is really bring it back with me. If you want something that is emblematic of why the drug war is retarded, th- th- this is exactly why. Because it's taken Sarah and I, who are relatively lame, uninteresting, uh, I-, I would say we're not puritanical, but certainly maybe more conventional uh, than a lot of other folks we know, and maybe more conservative than people would think upon first blush, uh, hearing us or uh, you know uh, talking to us or whatever. And you and I have now become drug hoarders who are in fact crossing state lines to buy substances illegal in our own communities <laughs> to bring them home and keep them, just in case we should ever need them. I'm going to be heading up there next month. So oh, Just for the day. But I mean, but I'm still back on the Sparks thing, so why did they leave in... Why would they take out the caffeine but leave in the alcohol? That makes no sense at all. Not that I expect because the government not, to act logically. Remember, but, I think we had a story about it um, a few months ago, because I guess like for, like they were being accused of marketing to kid, like to teenagers or something. Because Sparks is amazing, okay? You like well, drink just, one of those, and you're like set for the night. It's a, it's like an, but it's like an energy drink with malt liquor in it, right? Yes. Or malt liquor with with energy nutrients or something. Yeah, and it's like eight percent alcohol, nine percent alcohol. But so is the, what is the is the theory that 
Is the theory that kids were drinking it? Kids are drinking like more than one at a time and getting because it has you know. A lot oh yeah, of, kids are drinking like more than Jenkum. one at a time. Yeah, it's exactly like Jenkum. So there's no adults were doing that ever. There were no adults we know that were drinking more than one Sparks, uh, you know, at Never. a sitting. But so is the theory that if it doesn't have caffeine, that kids won't drink it? Yeah, I suppose. so. I'm just trying to figure out the sort of the internal logic to the state's argument there. Well, in any event. Well, what anyway, were we talking? Why did we start this? Where, oh, because I didn't start this. Because Tim's medicated. Tim's all pulled up. <laughs> um, so, what, so you have so Nyquil and uh, and Sudafed. Which and here's the thing about that is I think Nyquil Clarity. actually has Sudafed in it. Um, and I think I think if you have Nyquil and Sudafed, so you're getting a double dose of Sudafed. So really, by all rights, you ought to be wide awake and full of pep, Tim. You ought to be uh, packed full of energy <laughs> for, the, for the most part. <laughs> did you say and Claritin as well? That was yesterday. All right. So you actually have before. Well, I've been sick for a few days. So you have three different kinds of stimulants uh, that you've been filling your body with over and the last 24 really hours. And none of them really work completely. No. I, I need to take one thing that gets rid of allergies, and nothing does. I, because I think that the problem is that if you, like, over-the-counter stuff now is just sort of this neutered version. Everything you can buy over-the-counter is just some eunuch variation on something that works a lot better if you get it via prescription. But everything is sweet like candy, but it doesn't work. It's the story of my life, Tim. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, did I mention this horrifying thing that Chris Paddock said to me yesterday? No. No, right. no you had said something. I don't think what we have time it? to talk about it here, though. Chris Paddock, we, we were, and Greg remembers, we were sitting out front of the Harry Potter movie last night. We were waiting to get in. We were waiting for Sarah and her gentleman caller. What is he? He's the guitarist. Is that what we're calling him? Yes. And he's not your boyfriend. He's, no, no, I've just been I'm, on like two dates with him. Wow, defensive. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just said, I don't know what you're talking about. He's not your boyfriend. He's... A, a man with whom you are spending social time. An escort. Yes, he's, yes, he's yes, an he's escort. He's my male escort. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. Um, he's your the, the Jude Law to your um. Well, in any event, uh, so uh, so Greg Nibbler and I are standing out front of the theater uh, with Chris Paddock last night. You should take medication all the time, Tim. <laughs> anyway, so Sarah and her gigolo are still arriving at the theater. Um. Anyway, so Greg and I are standing out front of the theater last night waiting for Paddock. And how about that line? And that, that line at the ridiculous. Harry Potter thing was just, I mean, it was, and I know that this is less interesting for you, Tim, because you go to places like this all the time because you are, uh, you do live in a, a very uh, a plush neighborhood. I did go to the movies over the weekend. So I went to the, this is the Tiger Bridgeport, I guess, in Bridgeport Village. Fancy. Oh, those have the best seats anywhere. I love they going to the so movies. They were comfortable. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah, but let me just say this. It's worth, it's worth the trip to sit there. In that Bridgeport Village, which is just a bunch of, you know, you hear that phrase, big box store, and I know what people mean by but This is really just big boxes, and one of them says, like, Macaroni Grill, and one says P.F. Chang's, and one yeah. says Regal Cinemas. There, it, It's like uh, miniature streets of Tandisport. When I left the theater last night, I had the experience that you have every time you're in Vancouver. I drove around in that parking lot after the movie for about nine minutes, and oh, I yeah. couldn't get out. We got lost, too. <laughs> That's the thing, and I just wanted a big blinking sign that was, this way to leave. I felt like I was in, I felt like I was uh, being put through some sort of maze, uh, like in a Skinner box or something, to see if I could find the bit of cheese at the end. Anyway, I'm not so, disappointed. I didn't you have to go. tell us in a little bit. When we come back, we're going to talk to Dax Holt from uh, from TMZ. We've got Jim Rupp. And then right here, I've got this horrible phrase that Chris Paddock, and we verified with him twice that it was okay to repeat this on the air. He said something that was so awful that I looked it up uh, on Google. And you'd be surprised that there are people, people who've also used this phrase. So we got this on the way. You stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. I was um, honestly moved from the area um, of the feces. Call 503-228-4101. Mommy, what color is a casket? This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. 
Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. Coming up later on this hour, CNN Radio correspondent of the stars, James Roop. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Dax Holt from TMZ here in just a few. Uh, coming up next hour, uh, Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture will be in the studio with us. Uh, Don Taylor from Cinematical and uh, Lisa Desjardins uh, from Capitol Hill. So that's all on the way. Plus news from Tim Riley. Tim, what headlines are we following on this uh, Tuesday? Another Michael Jackson tribute is held at the O2 Arena. TMZ reports Debbie Rowe. Observe Michael Jackson's buttocks on numerous occasions as she gave him injections. I don't understand what that means, though. When you say observe, it sounds like she was sitting there like she pulled up a chair and decided to just sort of make an evening of it. Take kind a of quick gander at him. Just staring at his backside for hours on end. Just some gawking or gawkery. But, I mean, was there... Uh, this is sort of like when they were talking about Anna Nicole Smith's anus being unremarkable in her autopsy. The which That's a clinical discussion. I'm not sure if that, that was one of their topics of discussion. But you know what I mean? Like, why... Why? In other words, is there something, it, apart from the fact that they're Michael Jackson's, is there something about his buttocks that is newsworthy? You know, why is that being that's reported? That's probably that? where the shots were given. I mean, she, well, I, I guess, but I mean, that's like saying that she observed his elbow or something. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's probably, I wonder what the reason is. It seems like there's got to be some, you'll forgive the phrase, backstory uh, to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, so what is that? I'm, now you're killing me. I want to know what that phrase is that you've been talking about. All right. Well, I'm waiting to see if this is uh, if this is Dax Holt here. Read this. I'm not quite sure how to how to plunge on ahead. No. Okay. All right. So okay. So I will get to this then because I don't want to drag this out. And if I and the longer I have this in my uh, the longer I have this in my hand, uh, the more it's just going to uh, the more it's going to be a thing that I want it that I wanna just get out there and get done. So Greg Nibbler and Chris Paddock and I are standing in front of the Harry Potter movie last night, and it's a Bridgeport Village, and the line is just sort of snaking around everywhere. And you know, we we had you know some street teamers had gone inside, and, and you know, we've been fortunate enough that they kind of grabbed a couple seats for us, and we were just waiting for Sarah and her uh, her gentleman uh, friend to arrive. And we're just killing time. And if you're somebody who just says something so out of the blue, it's what, you know, what they call a non sequitur, where there's really no reason for the statement to leave their mouth. Mm-hmm. And so we're standing there, and I, you know, so some weather we're having. Hey, how about those wizards? Well, I can't wait to see this Harry Potter film. And then Chris Paddock just opens his mouth, and he says the following thing. He says... This is one of those things that... Uh, I will now share so that I am not the only one to have this phrase in my head. We will all have this phrase in our heads together. Chris Paddock opens his mouth and he says, So I've got a canker sore on my uvula. Oh. Which is a thing you don't really, it's a thing you don't really expect people to say. And I said, sounds so gross. And I said, pardon me? Uh, you know, and I did that thing of asking him to repeat the thing that I clearly just heard correctly. And he says, I've got a canker sore on my uvula. And I think Greg and I looked at each other and we shared an expression that was sort of a mixture of WTF and a why did you decide to, to tell us that? And I guess he had some sort of a weird, uh, as he put in a weird fiery sensation in the back of his throat for a while. So he goes to the doctor. And I, incidentally, I think he posted this on his Facebook page. I think his profile says something about, you know, Chris Paddock has a canker sore on his uvula. And I wanted to, and I didn't think that was possible. I thought a canker sore was like a thing you got. Isn't that a thing like a, like a, like an inside, like on the inside of your, your lip or something? Is that the deal? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a... Up. I'm trying not to think about it. I think it's no, no, no. But here's why I want to think about it because I then immediately took out my BlackBerry because I'm a tool, and I said, "Hold on a second, I have to Google this and see, you know, see what it's like." So I googled the phrase. Oh, canker sore on my uvula, but not in the Google image search because that would be off-putting. This is just in the regular Google text search. Here's some things uh, that you find when you Google the phrase 
canker sore on my, on my uvula. The first thing you get is someone saying, could I have a canker sore on my uvula? Followed by the response, no. You cannot get a canker sore on your uvula. This is impossible. After which Paddock then it came with this disproportionate anger about the fact that you could do it, and in fact, it had happened to him. And I think at one point he offered to open his mouth and let Greg and I inspect it, and we sort of declined to do it. But this question and answer, the could I get a canker sore on my uvula, followed by no, you cannot, is from, speaking of websites you don't really think are going to exist, from cankersoremouth.com. I mean, who takes the time and money to set up cankersoremouth.com? Hopefully that frees up on godaddy.com soon so I can <laughs> scoop I mean, that one up. That's the thing. It's like, is there really, I mean, is there some sort of compelling reason for that? It just seems like that's a, there's a lot of steps involved in creating your own website. Um, let's see. And then that, that then follows this. And this is just the Google results where I just went to Google and I typed in the phrase. So these are all the website results. Uh, right above that. I have a grotesquely swollen uvula. I think I'm going to start a new game where you just take random series, you know, is like a series of words. Like That's the thing, the, the, the back of your throat okay. deal. And it just says, I have a grotesquely swollen uvula. Click here to find out more. No one's going to click there to find out more. The, here's the next result. So it would be like celebrity uvula. It's, but it's like this whole slice of humanity where there's people dealing with problems you never really thought about. And then apparently quite a lot of them right, right below that. I have a burning sensation in my mouth, also my groin. So that's right below that. How about this one? I have a canker sore on my uvula. Also, I am living in a battered women's shelter. It's just the strangest combination of really? results. Uh, and then it says, this is, this is the best one right here. It says, I have a canker sore on my hanging ball thingy. <laughs> Which I do believe is the uvula. That is the thing in the back of your throat that, which I think is your gag reflex. I think that's what that's what that's all about. I think it's so you don't choke on something. I think would, like if something hits that, that's like when your mouth says like no, a no, 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 sensor or something. Yeah, I think that, that. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Well, I think it was put in there. It's, yeah, so it's something there so you don't uh, you know you don't get your choke on or whatever. So there you go. I have a canker sore on my hanging bowl thingy. So that's what I did while I was waiting. This is why it sucked that you guys were late getting to the theater because I was out front. This is what I do when left to my own devices. I just Google things like canker sore on my uvula. There you go. So, uh, you know, the next time you see Paddock, you can wish him well on the, uh, on the recovery from that ailment. On that note. All right. Straight ahead, we have uh, Jim Roop will be joining us from... Aren't you glad I shared that with you, Sarah? Wow. Thanks, You Rick. can have that in your head. Straight ahead, we'll uh, talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles, who has the uh, latest in all things uh, Jacksonian. Tim Riley has more news coming up next hour. We'll talk to Don Taylor from Cinematical and Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show is live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't miss a moment of The Rick Emerson Show, or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. I was toilet trained at 12. Listen online, live, or via podcast at KUFO.com. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Coming up later on, Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture will be in the studio with us. Also, Don Taylor from Cinematical and uh, Lisa Desjardins from Capitol Hill, CNN. Uh, we have 
Just a huge pile of stuff. A lot of the stuff we didn't get to uh, it yesterday as well. So I still got to get to the Morgan Freeman thing, which I think actually is now officially from last week. Plus these stories that we were teasing at the top of the show. Plus news from Tim Riley in just one moment. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Jim Roop. Good morning, sir. How are morning, you? Morning, boss. Everything's good. How about you? Everything is uh, everything is fantastic. I saw this. Uh, there's a story we just had a short while ago. It's the strangest thing. The TMZ was saying something about about uh, Debbie Rowe, and I guess maybe there's something about Michael Jackson's buttocks that I uh, am not familiar with. But it was Thank actually for that. I mean, really. The, 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 thank God for small mercies. But there, there was some story where I guess she was saying that she had had. What was it, Tim? She'd witnessed them. She'd had exposure. She'd observed them. Uh, apparently, she had uh, observed his uh, buttocks on uh, numerous occasions as she gave him injections prior to acne treatments. So uh, the question is: I've is, never known anyone to get an acne treatment in their butt. That was that was my first thought. My second thought is: Is there anybody in Los Angeles who has not given Michael Jackson injections of something? I've not. I, I was just going to ask. I mean, I think you, I'm it. Can you can you can you vouch for, have somebody vouch for your whereabouts at, at all times? Because well, I, I can't account for my wife's whereabouts either. So it seems like there was probably just an endless procession of guys walking into his house with syringes filled with stuff, uh, waiting to get him. Uh, well, that's ge- how you got in the gates. If you had a hypodermic, the gates would open for you. It was sort of the uh, that was the skeleton key that uh, that, let, <laughs> that let you right in. Hypodermic or some sort of IV. They just you could get in. Has the rest of the family said anything about these uh, Latoya's seemingly crazy uh, statements about about uh, you know, Jackson being murdered and that she knows who did it. No, I, you know, I have calls into her PR people, uh, Deb- to Debbie Rose people, and to uh, Londell McMillan, the new family spokesperson for the Jacksons, because there's all kinds of weird rumors going on with this family. Like Joe wants the three kids to tour as the Jackson Three. I mean, I'd love to get some comments <laughs> on these things. It's just, this is the nuttiest thing ever. But no, no one has said anything out loud anyway, um, or at least that I could confirm about these uh, crazy allegations by LaToya, who, by the way, was paid for these interviews in two British newspapers that were, the interviews were done here in Los Angeles. So why none of this stuff made any U.S. Newspapers. I have no idea. I mean, Latoya Jackson paid for the interview in a British newspaper. I mean, that's she like was paid for the. Interview. I mean, that's what I mean. So it's, there's three. There's three different layers of unreliability uh, well, there she, in that story. She has not been the most reliable nor responsible. No. Uh, you know, and that's hard to say. And <laughs> in, in, in the Jackson family, that anybody could be less responsible than than the other Jackson. You know, I mean, everybody has their level. I, I think Janet's probably the only real semi-responsible person in that entire family, it seems. It seems like LaToya is probably the, uh, she's the Zeppo of the uh, of the Jackson family. There's there's no going to, she's the shemp of that particular or, uh, the group of folks. It, really, if you're primary, and, and I think I speak for all guys who are my age and above, if you are primarily known for being nude with a large snake wrapped around you in the pages of Playboy magazine some years ago, that probably does not speak well to maybe your authority on these issues when you decide to uh, to weigh in. There's there's also some story coming out today that I guess that Debbie Rowe is saying she can be bought off in the custody. What is it, Tim? For this five wants- annual payments of just nine hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I'll take that. Sure. Really? Is that do I so get like some sort of a juicing machine that comes along with that if I make all those payments on time? So I guess and a folding fishing rod, you get all of that. And so for that, she's willing to cede custody, but it would only have been to the two the two kids anyway, the two older kids, right? The third kid still would have been some wild card. Yeah. Well, you know, I. I That's the blanket. 
Yeah, yeah, that's blanket. That's yeah, blanket. and so there's still no no word about where that kid would have gone because nobody knows who the parents are. Well, they're not saying if they do. Yeah. I but mean, no, we uh, it's a whole lot we don't know. The only thing we do know is that some of the toxicology tests have come back, and we may get the rest of them this week, and so we may get an announcement at some point. If there were substances in Jackson's body, what they may have been, and if they contributed to his heart attack. So that's the only real thing that I know about this entire story until I get some confirmation back. And then yeah. his brain comes back. Is, yeah, whatever. I don't even know where that brain is. You should do, you should, uh, the, oh, you know, here's, okay, I've got a great idea. Because everybody is now about uh, monetizing and optimizing ancillary uh, media streams, Jim. Mm-hmm. So they were constantly trying to find ways to get people to go, you know, to, to, to uh, you know, a media company's website or to follow some sort of a, an online, you know, like a Twitter feed or a podcast or something. You, sir, ought to create an interactive map or at least a constantly updating map on CNN.com that tracks where Michael Jackson's brain is. And it would just be like, it'd be like when you like go to John King's smart board or like, whatever, like the magic map. Or I was yeah, thinking this map. or like when you go to like horizonair.com and you want to see like when your wife's plane is getting in. So, you know, when to leave to get to the airport. And it just shows like a tiny little like clip art of a plane sort of moving across the country. I could do like NORAD's tracking of Santa Claus. Exactly. So there ought to be something where you've got, you know, where you've got Latoya is over here and Michael Jackson's brain is over here. And then people can sit there and they can try to figure, you know, they can be, you know, keep up the date on the relative location of those items. There you go. That's your great idea for the day. You know what? And charge people 99 cents. I would absolutely watch that. If you could, if there was some map that would show me the location of Michael Jackson's brain at all times, I would sign up right now for some sort of repeating bill on my credit card to observe that. That would be wonderful. I know what, you know, and the thing, how, how much could Hans that possibly... Hans Delbrook's brain is... What's that? Hans Delbrook. <laughs> you just celebrity... Bro- Celebrity, you wait. Hold on. Celebrity brain, celebrity, but there's something here. You, uh, celebrity. Sarah, have we talked about the idea of a, of a map that shows you where celebrities actually are at any yes, moment. Yes, because then I told you that exists. It's Gawker Stalker. But I mean, but but is it an actual map? Yeah, it's a it's an active map where people can like text in and be like, oh, I see George Clooney, you know, at H and M right now. And so then there's like a little icon, and then it'll be Clooney. an icon, and it just like consistently updates. All right, okay. Well, there's so clearly that's conquered ground, but I'm yeah, saying, but just have way too much time. But the brain field is wide open, is what I'm saying. That's a that's a you could get that whole pie right now. Uh, and finally, the frustrating thing about the Jackson case is also the great thing, which is that every single person on Earth has now weighed in uh, with some theory. That could either be absolutely true or entirely insane, because the true stories and the insane stories sound exactly the same, including this woman who says that she was his plastic surgeon nurse and now claims that he was so hooked on the Diprovan drug that he was actually going and getting his skin bleached all the time just so he could then get the drug. Yeah, I've heard that, too. Yeah. And, you know, and it, or that he would go in for anything, acne treatment in his butt, apparently, or, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, and, and no matter how light the surgery was, a tooth filling or, you know, nails clipped, he would want to be under the Diprovan stuff. <laughs> How cool is that? I really I got much power that you can say, yes, uh, I have a splinter. Could you put me under? I in the buttocks and in the buttocks. Uh, so I'll need uh, I'll need that big bag of drugs over there. If you could just <laughs> hand that to me, that would be fantastic. Great, thanks. Just hang it and inject it and take the thing out of my butt. That's <laughs> that's exactly. The, I think that was from the uh, script. You should. Uh, well, it, it can now be found. Uh, well, his whole body in a refrigerated unit in the basement of Forest Lawn's main building for security reasons. And by the way, that quote you just said should be at the top of your resume. You should just put that there, <laughs> right underneath your name. The uh, since, hang- came out, since I came out of my mouth, I went hand out. it to me and hang it and take it out of my butt. Jim Roop. All right. Uh, as always, my friend, it's a uh, a pleasure. Have a fantastic day.
Thank you, there sir. You go. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Now, by the way, the uh, brothers are now filming an A&E pilot, for which they hope will be a reality series to relaunch a reunion tour. Well, good for them. Yes. Was it, he was talking about Joe Jackson trying to get the three kids out there. So that that's that's the first I heard of that one. But that's, but that's ja- great. The three kids, that's Jackson's kids, right? right? The right. Jackson three. Like, would anything surprise you from Joe Jackson at this point? I saw this article in the L.A. Times or something where Joe Jackson was, he was blaming, um, he was blaming Jackson's then management for, quote, pushing him too hard with these, like, the O2 Arena shows that yeah. he was going to do. As though Joe Jackson is in a position to point fingers at anybody else on planet Earth. The love of God. All right, next hour we're going to talk to Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture, uh, as well as Don Taylor from Cinematical and uh, Lisa Desjardins from CNN Radio and Capitol Hill. Plus, no, uh, more news from uh, Tim Riley. You stay right there. The Rick Emerson Show continues live from beautiful downtown Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Tuesday morning. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. time today, at some point during today's uh, show, be giving away a pair of tickets to see Blink-182. Ladies and gentlemen, they're going to be at Memorial Coliseum uh, September 9th of uh, well, this year, obviously. But 999 is, uh, is actually when it's going to be happening. So it is September 9th, uh, Blink-182 coming to Memorial Coliseum. We'll have a pair of tickets to uh, give away. Uh, do not call at this time. We will be giving away... Uh, those sometime before 9 o'clock. Randy the Natural Couture is going to be in the studio with us here in just a short while. Uh, and uh, Don Taylor from Cinematic will be joining us as well. Plus, Lisa Desjardins. At the moment at the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 7.03. Going to be sunny today. Highs in the 80s. 90s tomorrow. And then 90s after that. A house has been hit by a tree. This is in southwest Beaverton at 170th between Heritage Court. The tree fell onto a house and pulled down the power lines. Crews are on site. Expect some possible delays along 170th Avenue. Is there an explanation for why the tree hit the house? No. Because left to my own devices, I just immediately picture that big oak thing coming through that kid Bobby's room in in Poltergeist and Mm -hmm. just uh, dragging him outside. (laughs) That's uh, My brain always goes right to that. I'm not sure if that happened here. Okay. Well, not everybody is saying it out loud, but a number of people are in favor. We're calling Mayor Sam Adams, and the number is growing. Former Mayor Tom Potter has yet to make a statement policy, but nearly 500 people given access to his Facebook page have been able to read Potter saying people in Portland need to stand up for themselves and get involved in having Mayor Adams recalled. I'm looking. I, I have something here. I think it's right. Is, is it actually magic trick? It, it, here's the thing, though. Is it is it his uh, the page or is it his wife's? Because I remember reading something this morning. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I've got this. Uh, new... Potter's wife has been publicly trying to garner support for people to sign the petition. Says Potter made his backing known in a comment. Listen to this. Potter made his comment known in a uh, made his backing rather known in a comment he made over the weekend on his wife's Facebook page. Potter's wife, Karen Hansen, posted a status update on her page saying she has a petition for the recall and directing people to a site where they can join the effort. We deserve a truthful city council, she wrote. And then former Mayor Tom Potter weighs in and says, this is on his wife's Facebook page, says, please, please get your petition, sign a petition. Good government is what we make it. Thanks, Tom. Wow. So there you go. So that is how he uh, that is how he made it. Now. So he had, it was a comment on his wife's uh, Facebook page, which is odd. And I think it's going to But the deal is it's like 32,000 signatures they got to get yeah. within whatever frame of time. Mm-hmm. And that I think if they, if this was going to happen, it's, I mean, it would still take to like November or something. I mean, it's just, I cannot imagine 
I, here's the thing. I'm really, I'm really just so torn uh, about this because wherever one stands on the somewhat thorny issue of Sam Adams, I think we can all agree that we like chaos. Uh, mm. But I think we can all agree that we like uh, our own city to run smoothly, even while the rest of society uh, devolves around us. So I just have no idea where I stand on this. I'm just, uh, I mean, just from a pure spectator point of view, I'm just so completely split. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, a 37-year-old Port Angeles woman pulled a gun on Walmart customers because they told her to stop cursing in the store. What was all the cursing about? Well, she was arguing with the customers, and they told her to keep quiet. Uh, she wouldn't. She said she was upset that the employee of Walmart sold her the wrong kind of ammunition. After she uh, received her refund, walks out of the parking lot, removes the gun from her car, and confronts the customers who told her to shut up earlier. That's a person you want to confront, by the way, somebody who's in there complaining that they gave her the wrong kind of bullets. <laughs> so under arrest is Teresa Dumdee. That's D-U-M-D-U-I. Of course it is. Where is that, Tim? In, uh, in Port Angeles, Washington. Oh, why did I think it was so well? Because guns. Yeah, I was wondering why you were asking. Is it at a Walmart, you they, said? Yeah, they found her across the hallway from Walmart. She was booked in Clallam County Jail. I just heard Walmart and bullets, and I just assumed that it was in Florida. They, they do have them in Washington as well. All right, let's uh, do one more here, and then we will uh, welcome uh, Randy uh, Couture after the break. All right, it seems that President Obama's teleprompter crashed to the floor yesterday. To pull our economy. Oh, goodness. Sorry about that, guys. That was the actual crash. That was not added. Here's the thing that I realized about Obama, too, because I was wondering exactly how he would proceed, because he's a guy that is so clearly... There are I mean, two other teleprompters. There's, yeah, and, and he's got notes in front of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to assume that they... Because so much uh, the comedic grist has come from the fact that he has that teleprompter with him all the time. And so they must have anticipated that this moment might happen uh, or that there's going to be that thing where, like, you know, that somebody kicks the cord out or whatever. So I guess there's a huge teleprompter on either side of him. And then he's got notes written in like 80 point type that are on the podium in front of him as well. Mm-hmm. So they are prepared for every eventuality because he's uh, he's not so good at speaking off the cuff. That guy. Uh, the president had trouble with the pronunciation of a town in Alabama where one of his uh, new appointments hails from. But of all these achievements and experience, none has been more pertinent to today's challenges or closer to Regina's heart than the rural health clinic that she has built and rebuilt in Bayou La Batchtree. Did I say that right? Well, t- tell me how to say it. Bayou La Bayou La Batchtree. That's in Alabama, people. Bayou La Batchtree is a rural town of about 2,500 people. Bubba was from Biolabatry, Alabama, and his mama cooked shrimp. And her mama before her cooked shrimp. And her mama before her mama cooked shrimp, too. Okay, then. You know, Who's playing that? That would be Tim. And I have to say that, that really as we, uh, we get ready to, uh, get ready to uh, move into other things, none of those are as good as this soundbite from yesterday. See what you miss when you're gone for a day, Tim? Is that some bro being tased somewhere? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, straight ahead, we'll talk to uh, Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture. He's going to be in the studio with us. Later on, Don Taylor from Cinematical and Lisa Desjardins from CNN Radio uh, on Capitol Hill. It's 503-228-4101. Blink-182 tickets we're going to be giving away as well uh, sometime before 9 o'clock. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunion, sir. This is Rock 101, KUFO. 
And good morning to you. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into amusement. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. In mere moments, we will welcome Randy, the natural couture to the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Tuesday morning for the good people of Portland? Well, we have all kinds of things. Uh, first of all, we have Lindsey Graham talking about Sonia Sontemeyer. Pat Buchanan thinks that Levi Johnston should be drowned. <laughs> and more on the crashing teleprompter from the president. Is Pat Buchanan offering to do uh, the drowning, or is it just sort of a generalized observation? He's uh, making like observation and recommendation. I think so. if you're going to recommend it, I think you have to be willing to follow through. Mm-hmm. I picture Pat Buchanan and William Donahue both just sitting there and having some sort of a sweaty, red-faced shout-off in a room with Tucker Carlson sort of but moderating. I think Buchanan him. still has the strength to do it by himself. I think he does. Pat Buchanan has the strength of 50 men. Damn it, he has a plus-five power of loathing. All right. Friends and neighbors, uh, he can be seen in the upcoming UFC 102, UFC 102, uh, Couture versus, is it Noguera? I want to make sure I get that correct. Yeah, Otherwise, he'll come and pound on me. Uh, at the Rose Garden, August 29th, facing off against Antonio Noguera. Let's welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, five-time Ultimate Fighting Champion, Randy the Natural Couture. Hello, sir. How are you? I am uh, I'm fantastic. I You probably won't remember this. A couple years ago, we had you, I think three or four firings ago, uh, we had you, <laughs> which is how we track everything. It's like the rings in a tree. We just uh, count the number of times I've had to pack all my things into a box. But we had you in the studio, and I asked you... I have some dopey uh, DJ question. I, I said, uh, "So, uh, do you think you could? Uh, do you think you could kill me with one punch?" And you said something in response. You had a great answer that I wish I had on tape, and it was something like, "Well, I wouldn't kill you right away. I think I'd incapacitate you first. <laughs> and at that point, I knew it was going to be a it was going to be a, a great uh, interview. The you are here uh, for the first time. This is the first time UFC has come to Portland. Uh, and you have spent a lot of time, obviously you're from, um, just outside Seattle, you're from Everett. I grew up in Seattle and I lived here in, in Gresham for seven years, Corvallis for about six years. So. so how much tension does that add if you're fighting in Portland, you know, UFC for the first time? Is there I mean, additional stress added by that? No, I don't think so. I feel comfortable here. I'm, I'm happy to be back. Is it a thing where if you are fighting a guy, cause you and Nogueira have not, you've not fought before. Is there a, like a, a weirdness when you don't quite know what it feels like to get hit by a particular guy? It feels the same. It doesn't matter who's throwing the punch. I mean, a punch is a punch. Is that so. true? Because I would think that there'd be some... I, I would think there'd be some sort of... Maybe fear is the wrong word, but some you know, like a you know, you get a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of uh, anticipation, anticipation, a little bit of adrenaline when you're like, well, I wonder what this particular fist is going to feel like <laughs> as it goes into the side of my jaw. No, I, it's something we prepare for and we train for, and uh, yeah, and your body's amazing and adapts to a lot of things. So it'll be, you know, I don't think it'll be any different than Noguera than. All the guys I train with that are trying to punch me in the head on a regular basis. So. Do you do you have like so? With, I remember reading an interview sometime with a guy who had been at the Rumble in the Jungle with Ali and Foreman, and he was talk, talking about how the problem was trying to find sparring uh, partners because, like you know, no, you know some guy getting twenty five dollars a day isn't going to sit there and just and, you know and just start and just doing these. He's not going to sit there and throw right hand leads, you know, at George Foreman and just you know sit there and have be pounded in the face. So they couldn't find anybody who was really willing to spar with him the way he needed to. Do you have that difficulty? We're like, who wants to practice? And well, like, I'm fortunate that, that we have a whole team, you know, a whole group of guys that are all aspiring fighters or fighters at different levels. And, and there's a whole bunch of us that are all getting ready for fights right now, too. So so we spar with each other. We help each other out and, and push each other. 
having been, you know, such a, you know, for so long, having been such a, a kind of a towering force, you know, he's a Hall of Fame member. And when you get in, uh, you know, to the ring and you're going to fight a guy, do you think that gives you a big psychological edge? Do you think it psychs people out if they sort of sit there and they go, oh, God, that's Randy Couture. I just saw him in a magazine and now he's going to come beat my ass. Uh, there's there's some of that depending on your opponent. But most of the guys I end up fighting are, have been around for a long time as well. So and they're, they're not too wowed by any of that <laughs> you and you and Nogueira actually you're both uh you've both been UFC champions and you have spent uh you know if you mentioned uh, being a, a wrestling coach a conditioning coach at Oregon State um you know and Nogueira his you know his specialty is it's jujitsu so at a certain point of it does the combination of style versus style become become difficult to, I mean you have to get a slide rule out and go okay, wrestler <laughs> versus jujitsu means I mean because it's you know, are you fighting the style or the guy? Uh, well, I think both. I mean, each guy brings a different physicality to each fight, and then his background, you know, and skill sets create the problems that you have to solve within that. And I think uh, that's what makes fights. I think that's what makes our sport very interesting. Is there's so many different dimensions and levels to it, and you know, obviously Nogueira poses some interesting problems with his jujitsu background and his submission skills, and. He's a big, strong, durable guy, uh, and that makes for an interesting fight. Talking to Randy Couture, of course, he's going to be a part of UFC 102, Couture versus Noguera, which happens August 29th. Uh, tickets go on sale this Saturday, uh, the 20th. Ladies and gentlemen. In fact, wait, am I, am I giving entirely the wrong thing? Is it? It's actually, I'm sorry, it's they like are actually currently on sale. That's my fault. That's where I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, so tickets are currently on sale for that. It happens August uh, 29th, and then you actually just shot... Uh, you just shot The Expendables, That's which is right. the new uh, Sylvester Stallone film, yeah. which has just got like the greatest cast in the history of, of yeah. everything. What yeah. was that like? How does, did you just pick up the phone and like, there's, there's Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, actually, I, mean, I worked with him a lot. Uh, one of the, I play one of The Expendables, which is the team of mercenaries that he's kind of in charge of. And uh, it was a great experience in nine weeks in, in New Orleans and uh, a couple weeks down in Brazil as well. So, And then your, your character, so you're like a, a weapons expert? Yeah, I'm a demolitions expert and, and a, a mercenary, basically. Uh, spend a lot of time taking people out in the movie. It's a lot of fun. Do you get a lot of phone calls from me? You answer the phone, and the guy goes, I've got a great idea. Now it's going to be a movie, and you know, you're going to punch a guy in the face, uh, and then later on you'll do, uh, you'll do some pounding, and then later on you're going to do some slugging, and then it's great. You should sign up for it. I mean, you must get offered stuff like that uh, all the time. I get a lot of fight movie offers, yeah. There's a great quote from Dolph Lundgren, actually, who's in The Expendables. Uh, I actually wrote this down. He said, it's an old school, and in that great Dolph Lundgren voice, probably. So it's an old school kick-ass action movie where people are fighting with knives and shooting at each other, which <laughs> is kind of all you really have to do to, uh, to get me there. Do you, uh, what is the weirdest thing that you've, that you've been offered where somebody wants you to appear in something and want you to shoot some kind of a, you know, a movie? Uh, the weirdest? I don't know about the weird. I mean, I, I was in a... Steven Seagal movie that was kind of strange, and probably it's the same thing with you know with, with you, you get asked to, to advertise stuff or add, you know you get asked to you know they they must say well look there's the George Foreman grill we're gonna have like the Randy Couture <laughs> you know and then it's like it like a shish kebab uh, the maker yeah or something. no I haven't had that one yet no well there's always there's always the there's future always hope for that if you're watching a film of a guy like Nogueira you know you you're wondering exactly you know what how you're gonna deal with him or how you're gonna engage you're watching obviously his bouts. Uh, your bouts do you get sort of a like a um like a like a flashback pain or something if you're watching a thing where like a guy's elbow is going like right into your right into your teeth yeah no pain no pain there but definitely study the tape and and kind of 
ferret out his tendencies where he seems to like to be and not like to be and and uh you know his approaches to to different fights that he's been in for sure watched a lot of them what's the style that you have uh maybe the most challenge dealing with you know when you're in a ring with a guy who comes from a different fighting style well they all pose different issues uh you know, the guys with no garris background, the jiu-jitsu guys are they're great off their back and, and they do a lot of interesting things. They use their legs very well and they're they're you know, they try to be very controlling and get you out of position and kind of frustrate you and manipulate you and find those submission positions which are sometimes hard to deal with. So Well, a lot of times it's also it, it just seems uh, you know, there's that the kind of the classic that Gracie school of fighting where it was just the it was the barnacle just clamp onto you, yep, and I'm exactly. just not going to let go, and I'm just going to sit there and just let you, you know, kind of kind of punch yourself out. Flail away, yeah, exactly. As stuff like that, and, you know, Hoist Gracie is a perfect example of this, where he just became instantly, I lived in this, I used to call it a house of dudes, and I lived in this uh, this Casa de Vatos, and we would all just sit there, and we would watch Ultimate Fighting stuff, and I remember just, we would watch Gracie, and people remember, Hoist Gracie, was, he's a... He's a I don't know how big he actually is in real life, but he seemed, relatively speaking, to be a, a fairly small man in some ways. And maybe I'm just remembering that. Yeah, he's a hundred, about a 180-pound guy. So he's his, a huge guy. And his thing was just to just to grab onto you and just fall onto the floor and then never let go. And his theory was that you would just wear yourself out trying to like trying to get him off, like Velcro or something. Um, as stuff like that became more mainstream, is it... Is it harder to use some of those styles effectively because guys have seen them on TV a million times? They've seen these in bouts and matches, and they kind of know what's coming. They know what. Yeah, I think we've all, you know, that started that ball rolling, and then we've all kind of cross-trained and, and learned skills to deal with that style of fighting. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, the Gracies revolutionized martial arts uh, through that through those early shows and that and that process. And then nobody really knew what he was doing and how it worked and. Now we've all spent a lot of time working in, in jiu-jitsu and kind of learning the tactics and the technique there. And and that's brought striking and some of the other martial arts to the forefront. We've had to study some of those other things from some of the other fighters that have been successful as well. You probably have been asked this question many, many, many times. So I will now be the latest uh, jackass radio guy to ask you this. <laughs> have you ever, you've been out, you're doing the whatever, and uh, some guy who clearly has no idea who you are is giving you guff or is, you know, is giving you a hard time. And you're just thinking in the back of your head, oh, I don't know, lecture or kill, lecture or kill. <laughs> I mean, you ever get some guy is trying to cause trouble and has has no idea who he's speaking to? It, not seriously, no. Uh, you kind of secretly make, wish it would guys happen. Guys make the offhanded comments and things like that, but the, you know, it's all tongue in cheek, and he's, you laugh it off. You never have you ever uh, secretly just like you've been at the movie theater and a guy's running his mouth and you're just thinking <laughs> to yourself, oh, I just uh, I'm, I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go hush that guy up. I hope he starts something. <laughs> No, I haven't had that situation at all. So you're a much better person than I am, because I would just be I would just be causing trouble uh, constantly. I would just, <laughs> I would just have a disproportionate response to to everything. Uh, the match is going to be August 29th. Tickets on sale now. UFC 102 uh, Couture uh, versus Nogueira. And if you for people who you know, there's always a new uh, generation of people who are coming to see this kind of fighting, and they've, they've heard about it, or they've you know they've been from friends' house, they've been at a house of dudes, and it's been on the TV. For people who haven't witnessed it uh, up close, I mean, first of all, seeing it on TV is great. Seeing it in person is a whole different. I mean, it's just Absolutely. The, the energy in in a in a venue when when this is happening is just astounding. I mean, it's just it, it, people use that phrase electrifying, but it really is like that. People who have not been there and they haven't witnessed it, you know, what is it? What is it like to be there? And you, it's the moment before that match starts. It's the final five, six, seven, eight, nine seconds. What is it? What does it feel like? Well, I mean, it's there's a buzz in the room that's just hard to explain. Uh, you know, I know personally, getting ready to walk out 
you know, in the tunnel, getting ready to walk out into the arena. Uh, it's just one of the most amazing feelings ever. You feel every hair in your body, and uh, it is a, a tremendous sporting event. I, you know, I've been to a lot of sporting events, and, and uh, going to one of the shows is truly an amazing event. Do you ever feel like there's some sort of a, a the ceiling on you know how long you're going to stay in this sport? No, I think uh, you know obviously I'm pushing the limits of that, but uh, kind of taking it one fight at a time, and I'm getting better as a fighter and, and an athlete, and, and having a blast. So. Excellent. As long as I can do it. Randy, the natural couture, uh, couture versus Noguera, which is UFC 102. Uh, it happens August 29th. Tickets on sale now. Uh, tickets can be purchased at the Rose Quarter box office. Uh, all participating Safeway tickets, West Outlets, uh, or at ComcastTix.com. And then uh, the website for this is NaturalUnderstanding.com. Yeah, that's my website for, for the post-fight event. And uh, we're, we're doing a little fundraiser for autism uh, in conjunction with the fight. So... I'm excited about that. We're actually giving away my Hummer at that event. So Excellent. Naturalunderstanding.com. And then uh, we should say this tonight, actually. Uh, tonight, 7 o'clock at the Rose Quarter, 7 to 8 o'clock uh, tonight, you're going to be doing autographs, uh, doing a picture-taking, and it's uh, free. It's open to the public. Um, and so that will be tonight, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, uh, July 14th, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Rose Quarter. Uh, you're going to be doing uh, autographs, pictures, etc. cetera. So um, yep. best of continued success, my friend. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you so Appreciate much for spending some time with us. Randy Couture, ladies and gentlemen. The website is naturalunderstanding.com. Back after this with Don Taylor from Cinematical and more from Tim Riley at the news desk. This is the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Tuesday morning. Stay right there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. It's like if let loose, they would kill you or leave you behind to die in a blizzard. RickEmerson.com. Do it now. All your opinions about everything are wrong, Don Taylor. All right. Uh, in just uh, moments, Don Taylor from Cinematical will uh, join us uh, today. And theoretically from Fandango, I guess that's a whole... At some a, point, a whole I, I keep writing story. stuff for them, and they keep saying, yay. We'll send you a paycheck at some point. Yeah. yeah apparently, supposedly they're paying me. It's just that they haven't launched their new whatever. Your stuff is going yet. right into the vanishing cabinet. It is. Exactly. Your stuff is your stuff is in the room of requirement right next to a big dinosaur skeleton. It's very odd to like feel like you're on a deadline and have to write an opinion about something, and then it just goes nowhere, and no one ever reads it. So no, no, no. Like, i got to stay home and send something uh, into the void. Yes. I liked your subtle Harry Potter comment there. Are you being sarcastic? No, I did. I'm saying I, I enjoyed it. Right, You're pretty savvy for a muggle. That's, that's what I do. Oh, Don. You tell me I don't have layers. I just talked to a guy who hits people for a living, and now I'm talking about uh, you know, the vanishing cabinet. We can talk about our dork fest last night. In the 5 o'clock hour, I went right from talking about a guy who was repeatedly jabbed by his wife with a big pink dildo, uh, and then immediately followed it up by discussing Tolkien versus Rowling and how they relate to Charles Dickens. So you know what? Uh, Rick Emerson is a man of facets, you sons of bitches. Tim Riley, uh, what headlines are we following on this Tuesday? Well, there's been a big gunfight in Wood Village, and several streets are closed right now as the investigation continues. A tree falls onto a house, knocking down some power lines and tying up traffic. Is that like a man walking into a bar, but with fewer bars or men? That's exactly what I'm saying. And the state jobless rate is leveling off. <laughs> okay. 
Moving forward. Hey, by the way, I'd like to suggest, Tim, that you start using the phrase gunfight at the SE Corral next time that there's uh, some sort of a uh, you know open gunplay incident in southeast Portland, which you know will happen soon. This is northeast for change. I'm just saying, you know, just, uh, that's a, you should get out, you know, out front of that train right now. You could be using that. Uh, it is uh, 503-228-4101. Before we uh, plunge on into the uh, to the movie segment here with uh, with Don, we should say at this juncture, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a caller, fi- uh, caller 10, rather, at 503-228-4101, if you are a caller 10 at 503-228-4101, you're going to score yourself a pair of tickets to uh, see the Timbers versus Sarah, you're a soccer person. When it says Burnley FC, what does the FC stand for? I don't know, maybe football. Ficus. Football club, maybe? Football club. Hey, look at that. I'm an American. Uh, you uh, get a pair of tickets to see the Timbers versus Burnley uh, for the English Premier League. Well, there you go. Uh, that happens Saturday, July 5th at PGE Park. Ladies and gentlemen, the uh, game is a Saturday, July 5th, PGE Park. If you're caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, you will uh, win yourself a pair of tickets to that. All right, Don Taylor from Cinematical. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. So we all saw uh, each other at Harry Potter just like four hours ago or whatever the hell oh, it was. God, that we did. Uh so your thoughts on Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which opens tonight at midnight? I was really impressed. I, I honestly believe it is the best movie in the series so far. And um, the first couple, the Chris Columbus ones, they were they were fine movies. Um, the uh, Alfonso Cuaron one I thought was a little bit better. They seem to have been, you know, gotten increasingly better directors as they've gone along. And uh, I... I was going to actually be smart and know what I was talking about and do some research and know all about this David Yates fellow before I walked in and it was too early and I didn't actually look anything up. But it's it's so beautifully directed that I, I usually I have my little notepad and I usually take notes and all of my notes I was taking were just to remind myself of just how crisply directed it was and what just amazing choices he made about things like, you know, just blocking his actors and the camera angle choices and the the use of the cgi was just beautiful and seamless and and it's just very mature and smart and and i i i loved it i really can unreservedly say that i that i actually loved this harry potter movie i agree with you it's the best in the series so far and it actually it's hard to believe in some ways i was talking about this with panic last night that it's it's hard to believe that it's from the same series that gave us like chamber of secrets yeah. you know or the first which and there's nothing wrong with it's those films so dark that and it, they're like right it's, it's like the books because you know those books start out you know they're, they're not comedies but they're sort of they have a light touch to them and then the books get increasingly dark and that there were there were some sequences in that Harry Potter film last night that were just so beautiful that they did that they just were breathtaking. I mean, really, just where you actually find yourself sort of you, you just sort of sitting there, almost almost holding your breath a little bit because you were just caught off guard by something they put on the screen. And it's just and I was thinking about this. There was some trailer beforehand. I forget what it was. A trailer for some upcoming piece of dog roll and. Uh, <laughs> And it was just a terrible CGI, you know, it was just awful computer animation. And I was sitting there thinking that, you know, and I was doing the doing the, the thing that you do, just sitting there going, I hate computer generated. These kids, whatever happened to models and matte paintings? Well, was it the, was it the trailer for 2012? Uh, no, but we'll get to that in a second. It was the trailer for the G.I. Joe film. That's what oh, it was. Okay. It was for G.I. Joe, the something, 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 uh, uh, the whoring of my memory. The rise of... Who's it? The, with the cobra head. The, yeah. And I'm watching this thinking, this is you know, stupid computer animation. It's just dumb. But but then we got to the Harry Potter film. And you know, here's what I realized. Is that it's not, there's nothing wrong with CGI, just like there's nothing wrong with chalk. Mm-hmm. It is what you're using it to draw. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you're using uh, a chalk uh, just, to, just to draw a picture of an ass in a men's room wall, 
yeah, probably not that impressive. If you're you know, using uh, you know chalk to you know draw something that, you know that's compelling, like maybe a particularly inter- like maybe Michael Jackson's ass, uh, you know, as Debbie Rowe is injecting something into it. It's all about what you're using the technology for. And Lord of the Rings is like this. I mean, there's a lot of models there, but there's a lot of CG. Yeah. And it's just about what you're showing with it. Because that Harry Potter film, there's obviously tons of computer animation. Yeah, there's, that. there's one shot in there particular that um, the camera actually it's like it's like the camera comes out a window. And up around a tower, and you yeah. see two characters in through the window inside the tower, and the camera keeps going up, and you see Draco Malfoy yeah. glowering on a on a balcony, yeah. and then it turns around and kind of swoops out, so you see all of Hogwarts. And while you're watching it, you're aware that it's all composite computer stuff, but it's so beautifully done, right? And it actually, and it's just, and it's, and he just had, uh, the director on this one, Yates, just has an amazing. He's your new boyfriend, grasp, isn't he? He's my new boyfriend. Yeah. He has this amazing grasp of just how to pace it, how to... The first third of the movie is almost kind of labyrinthine and claustrophobic, where, you know, inside the Weasley's house, inside the, the magic shop that the, the Weasley brothers are, everything's very busy and very tight, and there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of, of activity, and the movie just very slowly opens up and gets less and less busy right. as as it goes, but it's almost imperceptible the way he just kind of... It, it's not like he even slows it down. It's just it, the pacing becomes much more elegant and as I, the movie goes along. And we should say this, actually, so obviously we'll be uh, spoiler-free here. But, uh, you know, the uh, the much-discussed thing uh, that happens in this Harry Potter film is actually, to me, not not even really the, 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 the climax. It's not even really the, the high point because there's so many other great moments. There's a sequence with Harry and Dumbledore and a lake that, uh, you know, we, we mentioned this earlier, that Sarah and I have both read the book and we're like, I cannot wait to see them. The How are they possibly to do it? Onto. Exactly. We kind of made eye contact last night. We're like, here we go. And I know. Kind of spaz out. I'm like trying it, to get your eye contact. It was just, it was just, it was quite something. It was really, really a great, uh, a and, great film. And the it resolution. Is, uh, is Dobby the house, house elf in this one? No. No, he returns oh. in the next one, though. No, no, no. Okay. He'll be in the next one, which is two parts, though. Well, sons of bitches. My money, then. No. So that whole set piece with with the lake and everything, the um, the resolution of that, because it because it, it, that's another scene that builds and builds and builds and becomes very intense at the very end. And there's all kinds of effects going on, yeah. and and there's this this moment which I don't think this is really a spoil, but there's a moment where where Harry like rises up out of the water yeah. and there's fire going on and stuff, and it's obviously a very iconic moment. It's like. In, in way in the back of my mind, it's like, oh, somebody's been reading Mythology 101, right. Rising from the Flames, blah, blah, blah. And it's not, it's a moment that could have been really, really cheesy. But it's awesome, and Dumbledore looks like a badass. Yeah, and it's just done so well. Yeah, excellent. Um, so it, just real real quickly, we should mention this, actually. And then um, we have, I know you have a... a we're going to talk a bit about Leverage, which is, I think, the first season of that yeah. is out. And uh, also your assertion that I am, quote, I'm quoting it from your email uh, <laughs> last night, that I am, quote, a big fat girl. That uh, That's what I am uh, because of, because I sent Dawn this email. I'm like, you know, hey, True Blood is really awful. Why can't I quit watching it? And Dawn emailed back, because you are a big fat girl. And uh, <laughs> Did you watch the uh, Sunday's episode? No, no. I, this, I'm not going to tell you anything. No, but I watched it on the internets yesterday after work. It was one of the best episodes ever. Yeah, it really was. It was statement. It was filthy and and beautiful and completely. Miss Sucky, can I fill you with dirt? <laughs> Sucky, Sucky. Miss Sucky, may I cover you with grime and speak in an over-the-top accent? All right. Uh, I have to mention though, I would be remiss if I did not mention the trailer for this. What is the movie called? Is it called Twenty Twelve? Yeah. 
And it's from it's. It, it, that Tim, looks cool. Tim, you'll appreciate this. You go to see Harry Potter. There's a trailer, and the the biggest reaction that I got from Sarah and I is when it said from the director of Independence Day. I think we both actually and, said out loud. We're both like, yes, yeah. And the day after tomorrow, which is like one of my favorite oh, like that disaster crap. movies. <laughs> it is. It is crap. It is. But, but it's, so is it's awesome. Day, crap. But amazing. I love crap, that yeah. kind of crap. Oh, <laughs> this this movie 2012. It, the trailer. It, it is. Looked- Awesome. It's like you took those guys who did like scary movie, you know, whatever epic movie, blah blah blah. If they made disaster movie, but if they had a budget of like five hundred million dollars, <laughs> kajillion. There is a sequence in the trailer. I, I should just—I mean, it's in the trailers. So I guess it doesn't matter. There is a sequence in the trailer where it's like a perfect storm kind of a thing, where there's a huge because it's an end of worlds apocalyptic thing, where you see an aircraft carrier in like, it's like at night and it's a churning sea. Oh, at the end. And you see an aircraft (laughs) carrier being tipped over by a massive wave. Onto? (laughs) And onto the White House. Yes. And, the, and the aircraft carrier is like about 50 times bigger it than the like White the House. Biggest aircraft carrier ever. And at that moment, like all, the size of the we couldn't hear the rest of the trailer because all you could hear was Dawn laughing like five seats down from us at the idea that, the, and it's like the USS JFK, and it's tipping over on the White House because apparently the United States is now underneath swirling seas. <laughs> it, and giant boats. It, you know, I just lost it. it I just was, completely lost we'll watch, it. Let's watch the trailer at the break uh, again. And because it, it, it was like this, it was like they took all their favorite scenes. Like the blowing up the White House scene from Independence Day and the ship going up the huge wave in a perfect storm. I said it was like the it was like the turducken of action sequences because it was just everything you wanted all jammed into one uh, to one two minute uh, glorious segment. So straight ahead, we will talk about uh, leverage a bit and we'll have news from Tim Riley. Uh, so Don Taylor uh, joins us as well again on the other side. You stay there. Coming up next hour, we will talk to CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, about the uh, confirmations hearings, uh, which apparently uh, apparently there may be some ugliness today. So I'm going to go home and watch that. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. In, you know, really small doses. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for joining us. Coming up at 820, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, who will talk to us about uh, the confirmation hearings, which are are now underway. There hasn't been anything really interesting. I keep hoping for a borking, uh, but it hasn't. Uh, it hadn't happened yet. But you know, the hope. hope they does had him on the TV last night. Bork. Yeah, bork, he, bork, was bork, be- bork, he was being interviewed, and he was looking at the floor I while just, he was speaking. I did a Swedish chef thing there. Nobody even caught it. No, we. we oh, did. I got it. We bork, did. Bork, yeah. Bork, bork, bork. yeah. All right. Does he still that was look funny. like? Funny. <laughs> stifle Don Taylor. Does he still look like C. Everett Coop? No. He, his head was. He, he was like. His head was folded over, and he was looking at the floor, and you couldn't see his face. Boy, just what a bitter bastard he must be. I mean, not that he doesn't deserve it. I mean, he was right. clearly just a, just a jackass. No, he, he was just a, a mean person. I mean, that's, I mean, well, that was it was the time of Reagan, Tim. It was the time yeah. to be mean. Uh, so at some point, I should say this right now, sometime before 9 o'clock, before 9 a.m., uh, my friends, you will hear this. <laughs> When you hear the Howard Dean scream sometime before 9 a.m., uh, be caller 10, and you will uh, score yourself a pair of tickets to see Blink-182 uh, September 9th when they come to Memorial Coliseum. Blink-182 coming to Memorial Coliseum uh, September 9th. Tickets go on sale this coming Saturday, uh, the 18th at Comcast Ticks uh, with two Ts, ComcastTicks.com or the Rose Quarter box office. But sometime uh, before 9 o'clock, you will hear the Howard Dean scream. <laughs> Caller 10 there. All right. Uh, we are here with Don Taylor from Cinematical and uh, also Tim Riley at the news desk. So well, let's, uh, we will just sort of 
handle both of these things simultaneously and plunge on into the uh, to the news segment. Uh, Tim, where are we at with shootings, maimings, and other things of that nature? Well, there were shootings overnight. I will tell you more about that. Uh, and uh, Comcast is now testing online streaming of HBO and Cinemax shows. So we'll hear more about that. And we'll hear more from that uh, wise Latina as she speaks to sporting at her hearing. So the, boy, you, could, you can just tell the Republicans have got this whole thing, too, if there's any tiny foothold, just any, any small opening where they think that they can just sort of chisel anything away, they're going to they're gonna do it. But they're very good at taking a phrase and just hammering it to death. Well, that's what they do. That, that's the school of Karl Rove, that regardless is, of what it is. Seize a phrase, repeat it over and over again. They are the party of talking points. Mm-hmm. And I know this, by the way, because every time I go uh, to visit my in-laws in Provo, I will just hear them sort of, you know, every, everywhere I go, every room in the house, Every friend that comes over, every time we have to go to church, I just sort of hear them the recycled ad nauseum. Don Taylor from Cinematical. So uh, we were talking, was it Timothy Hutton we were trying to get on the show? Yes, Timothy Hutton. He was pitched to us. And so I asked, since he's in town, if he could come into the studio. And then his got a snippy reply from his people saying, He doesn't do in studio. We can have him on the telephone. That's about it. He's too busy for you. We really enjoyed you in Ordinary People. <laughs> I, really, I, I almost I like physically <laughs> ran into Timothy Hutton once many, many years ago. I almost like slammed right into him and he gave me a look. That was my, uh, really? my Timothy Hutton. What type yeah. of look? Well, it was back in the day when I worked at the Renaissance Fair. And he was, yeah, I know, laugh all you like. Uh, he was really close friends. Two of his best friends are, were jugglers. And they'd been friends since they were teenagers. And uh, they worked at the fair. And I was on my way somewhere in my little costume, hustling somewhere around. And I was making a, a quick turn around the steak on a steak booth. And I almost physically just slammed into this guy. And I stopped dead and I looked up into his face. And it was Timothy Hutton. And I, my brain went, oh, Timothy Hutton. And we had that split second look where he looked at me. And he gave me this look like... Don't you dare say anything and recognize me. And I just kind of went, okay, excuse me, and kept going. Pardon, my lord. But I always remember that because it was so intense. It was like, don't even, was was basically the look on his face. Coiled spring. Yeah. So I was like, ah. You should have thanked him for something he wasn't. I loved you in Turk 182. (laughs) You're my hero. Uh, All right. So Leverage Season 1 is out, uh, I guess, uh, today. And But now, was any part of that? Shot in Portland, or is that just season two? That's just season two. Okay, so what? And then, so it's like a, a like a, a Robin Hoodie sort of a thing. Yeah, it's a uh, Timothy Hutton is a guy who uh, originally had uh, investigated and punished con men, so of course he knows all about the the world of the con man, and uh, inspired by the fact that an insurance company screwed him over and basically let his child die rather than pay for the medication he has now made it his life's work apparently to to punish greedy horrible people by by running cons on them and he puts together a team of con con people is it a stylishly diverse team they are a stylishly (laughs) diverse team i've actually seen this episode too i have a copy of it yeah you got the computer guy and you got like the the cute blonde thief girl who is just awesome and you got uh, the guy who lost his hand and uh, was in love with the demon on angel with like long stringy hair (laughs) and uh, i love that i think that guy is sexy Really? I don't know what's wrong with me. Yes, I, I think find, I find him really kinda... good looking. Well, your tastes are broadening yeah. recently, Sarah. <laughs> but yeah, and it's um, originally the first season was shot in, in Los Angeles. And I had read an article, uh, read an interview with the showrunner uh, back when they were doing the show. And he was saying that the, the show was done on a fairly low budget. And they did a lot of green screen work to... Uh, to do their uh, their locations, that that most of their locations were were matted in later via computer. It was basically shot on a soundstage, a big warehouse in California. So it could have been made anywhere. And apparently, they decided yes, since it could be made anywhere. How about Portland? Excellent. And it really is. It's a it's a nice, tidy, cool little show. I think the uh, season premiere is Wednesday, and uh, or 
It seems to have a little bit of that, uh, if you watch the show Numbers, it seems to have a bit of that Numbers vibe, where Numbers is sort of a cool in the sense that it has a detached sort of elegance to it. I mean, yeah. it's corny and cheesy, but it's, but it's kind of great in that way, and it's like sort of pseudo, it's sort of pseudo smart. Yeah, except that Numbers is really irritating, because you always have to stop dead while some character says, well, it's it's like when we have traffic patterns, and, and let's <laughs> let's now show you this thing where cars are stopping at red lights. And, and stop it. Stop it. Plus but, the title of the show is spell wrong with a number three. Exactly. That's ridiculous. It's, it's that's like that time that I had something really scientific, but I explained it with something much simpler. Leverage is, is a lot more like uh, old-fashioned caper caper movies uh, where they, they have a con every episode and they, they all have to achieve. And then, of course, something goes wrong and then they have to fix it. And they, but it's it's actually quite good and it's very episodic. So if you actually dive in this season, you know, the, the relationships between the characters are fairly self-explanatory. So it's not like you're missing a whole lot if you don't watch season one. Hey, I should uh, I should ask you something. This is, uh, this is completely apropos of nothing. Would you think less if you were uh, dating a guy who dated a stripper oh, for God. six months? Rick. Yes. I just know she's. Well, okay, I'm just yes. saying she's. Uh, you know, a. a, a okay. See, so why woman. would you? I'm just out of curiosity because um, I, I don't know how I feel personally. Um, personally, any guy that would date a stripper is not someone who's the kind of guy I would be. Interested okay, so in. here's the reason I ask uh, because we were just talking it about says something about character. We were just mm-hmm. going to. See, we were just talking about going to see Harry Potter last night, and so your new. Uh, the, the gentleman with whom you are spending social time. Yeah, I've hung out with him a couple times. Yes, yeah, so he was spending a, a social time of whatever whatever fashion. Uh, so he was there last night. So we had this, but we had this big discussion about this yesterday. Uh, and I hadn't, I, I'd met him sort of before, like you know, a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but I, I hadn't seen him for a while. So we were talking last night. And, uh, but he seemed, I mean, he was like, seems like a good guy. Seems like a, you know, he's a nice guy, good looking, you know, whatever. Seems to have, seems you know, to have his act together. Doesn't uh, have any, uh, you know, visible scars or you know, what is not missing an eye or anything. Uh, but we had this big discussion yesterday where it came out at some point. Did he? Rev- how did it come out that he had dated a stripper? Did you? Did you sort of press him on it? Did he volunteer? No, no, no. I think we were just like chatting about previous relationships, and he had he had talked about how he. Had most recently dated somebody for about six months, and they broke up um, a month earlier. But I mean, why? Did, why would her profession come into that? I think, I, think I asked. I think. So I what did she do? I don't know because it's just kind of you know conversation. So and then he said, like, was like, "Did he oh, say stripper? Did he say dancer?" He said stripper. Strip. Well, see, yeah. uh, points for being up. But he front. did say nobody did say uh, that when he was first telling his family about it. He's like, "She's a dancer," and his sister's like, "Oh, what kind of dancer? Ballet? I love ballet." And he's like. The answer yeah, to that stripper. question is never ballet. The answer to that question is always stripping. Pole, um, <laughs> that guy. He's like, yeah, she dances on the pole. But I, but so when you say they dated for six months, was that like they were living together or they were no, talking about? Together. I mean, was it serious? Um, because if he was just, I, I'm, I'm not trying to say this is the case. I don't know I'm the guy. I'm not sure how serious because I didn't want to ask. I'm saying if cry. he was having a. Let's say an ongoing but somewhat casual relationship with her for six months. Then that's—I mean—you can't fault a guy for that. I will say this: it—it's not wouldn't necessarily be a deal breaker because you know I've met strippers, I've known men who were—I—I I had a really good friend for a while who was very good friends with a couple of strippers and had dated some off and on. And it's like I, it would not be a deal breaker, but it would certainly be part of the consideration. Definitely part of the consideration. Mm. You know, sometimes it's like it, maybe uh, he was enticed by her professional appearance. I <laughs> maybe well, she was also she could have just also been really awesome and was a stripper. I mean, not every stripper is is going to be skeezy. I mean, right. statistically, there are going to be some. Well, I do. Like, I do have oh, a couple. Oh. Honestly, a couple lady friends who who are strippers, and I also know yeah. some who are respect. I also know some who are pieces of crap. But I that's just for every profession. I just don't understand this. That he's dating like. 
you are effectively faulting him for dating a hot girl who puts out. I mean, the, the, which it just seems, I just don't, I'm so not so saying. I mean, at some point, but it's like, who am I to judge? Because like, I date dirty band guys. We're basically like strippers. I'm, I'm, I'm not faulting anybody. I'm just saying it just seems, and I'm not saying your feelings are wrong. They, Sarah, they're your feelings, so they can't be wrong. Well, if you, But if I you, just don't understand it. If you met a really attractive woman and, mm-hmm. and you found her attractive, and then she says, well, yes, my last boyfriend was a male escort. But, uh, well, see, Greg was pointing us out. Would yes, you... see, no, 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 Greg. We had. I raised the escort thing yesterday because Sarah. She was making us guess. She's like, his ex girlfriend used to be what? Guess. And Sarah, Greg, and I were like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, nuclear physicist, whatever. But we got to, we got to escort. And we were throwing the terms out really quickly, and Sarah said yes at hooker, but we thought she said yes to escort. So for a second, we thought <laughs> the girl was an escort. <laughs> and but you know, and so we were having this whole discussion about you know about hooker versus escort. And Greg made the point that he thinks that that's 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 a lot different. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, sure that it really. I I don't think it's a lot different. I mean, it is different to a degree. I'm not sure it really. I've known strippers who've been some very nice girls, and very yes. smart. I I think, but if you're, uh, but it's still sex work. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, but not all. Well, no, no. come on. I well, uh, this is clearly a discussion. We have to. Oh, this is yeah, a discussion for another time. We're yeah. Just, yeah, this is to be. This is to be. Uh, <laughs> to be continued. I guess. You brought it up on the radio, Mister. I'm just well, because you are the first. Because here's the thing. Because it's just a. This is a big sausage fest here. So you're the first woman who's not Sarah who's been able to weigh in on this. Um, well, my right. my conclusion is it would not be a deal breaker, but it would definitely be something that would go it's a, in. It's a little food for thought. It's something to consider. Yes. Uh, that's your story. Uh, Don Taylor can be read at Cinematical uh, or CinemasideShow.com or in some alternate reality at Fandango. Yes, someday. Not in this reality. All right. Uh, when we come back, we will talk to Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins from Capitol Hill. And Tim Riley will have more news for you. Plus, Blink-182 tickets at some point this hour. You keep listening. We're live from Portland. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show, available anytime, anywhere. It's too bad about your rocky insides where no man's seed can find purchase. <laughs> Visit KUFO.com right now. Live from downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's uh, Tuesday morning. It's 503-228-4101. By the way, we got this uh, via text at 52051. Rick was watching Breaking Bad last night. They used the Howard Dean scream as a sound effect when somebody was running from an explosion. Thought you might like to enjoy See, there you go. So that's the Howard Dean scream. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that the... Am I potted down over there? Oh, that's me. I turned, my, I turned my computer off. The Howard Dean scream. Yes, that is the... Uh, that's the new Wilhelm, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So there you go. You heard it here first. But I like to think that we have pioneered uh, uh, that trend. So uh, we, uh, we like to uh, help pop so. culture along whenever possible. It's uh, 503-228-4101 at the news desk. Your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 827. It's going to be very sunny today. Highs in the 80s and into the 90s tomorrow and the day after that. Big crash on the I-5 northbound at Southwest Corporate just moments ago. This involves two cars and a motorcycle. Injuries reported there. Two people were shot in an early morning gunfight at a Wood Village apartment complex this morning. Happened bond uh, quarter two. Therefore, Northeast Halsey is closed to traffic right now between Northeast 238th and 244th. A group of people apparently started fighting in an apartment complex. Shots were fired. This involved about uh, 20 people, and it involved baseball bats. So of course, Tim. have a whole bunch of people they want to talk to. Well, that's the... Uh, that's Some of the friendly folks over there. The weapon of the common man. Uh, it will resume here in just one moment. So, Brett, let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. 
From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Good morning to you. How are you, Lisa? Hey, good morning. How's life? How are things? It, it was, it, it's good, you know. So I, you came back sort of in the middle of this. Well, maybe not in the middle of it, but I, but the the Sotomayor thing was is just sort of ramping up. We are now what this in, two days into this. Right, this is day two, but you know, day one is really kind of, uh, you know, everybody gives speeches. This is really, this is really the good stuff. Today. Day one is the exhibition game of the confirmation hearing world. It's really like a, a preseason. I would say at at best. Tim was noting something that that we've commented on many times that the Republicans have they they got a lot of, the Republicans have a lot of skills and one of them is taking one single phrase thing fact picture story whatever and removing any context that they don't like and then just repeating it <laughs> five hundred thousand times until it sort of becomes the truth, which so, the Democrats never catch. Uh, Onto which they should. No, and that's why you know the Democrats use one of the many many fighting skills that they have never bothered to learn. Um, and so, so it is with this thing about her phrase of the the, the wise, uh, you know, Latina coming to a better conclusion than 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 a white guy or something like that. What is what what is what is the phrase? And are they just going to try to uh, just to, to put that on her like a millstone? You know, they have tried a little bit, but the Democrats did pick up one decent move this morning in that they kind of got ahead of it. And they they actually brought this up before Republicans did so that, you know, they say, OK, what, what do you have to say about this exactly, Judge? And and they gave her the opportunity to respond to friendly Democrats before uh, the Republicans brought it up at all. And basically what she said, uh, I'm looking for the exact words here, but she I think I might have it. I, I think it's some, I've got, you know, 30 of these emails now on all of her quotes but she she said if my memory serves me correct she says that she said that um, a wise Latina woman, she said it a couple different times, sometimes she says a wise woman, or she said a wise Latina woman would more often than not make a better decision than a white male judge. So, you know, she said today in response, giving, okay, what do you have to say about this? Are you a racist? That kind of thing. She said, no, I, I think what I was trying to do was inspire young Latinos, and my words were misunderstood. Then she went on to say, unequivocally, I do not let any preconceptions, any thoughts of race, gender, ethnicity enter into my judgments or my rulings. So she really, she never said, no, I'm not a racist, but she, she kind of said it in an elongated form, and she now is repeating that phrase herself. Does it seem like, uh, and I assume this happens on both sides of the aisle for everything, does it seem like somebody kind of got her in a room and, and said, look, this is going to be your answer? I mean, they must have coaches for confirmation hearings, right? Oh, absolutely. That's what she's been doing the last uh, three weeks, really. She has a very small, we understand, um, kind of unadorned, you know, Joe versus the volcano, you know, bottom of the basement office over in the over near the White House, where she has just been studying her cases and getting ready, going through prep, and they and you could tell she was ready. Well, Senator, funny you should ask. Here's my answer. You know, she was ready for this, and she actually has been ready for pretty much everything that they've brought today. Now you can disagree with her, her approach, but I have to say, so far. Really, she's been Teflon, and and Republicans have admitted so much by saying, we like what you're saying now, but we still have problems with what you said in the past. So all of her answers today are scoring high marks. Republicans now are saying, you're inconsistent. That's going to be their argument. We don't know if what you said today really uh, kind of is in the same grain of what you said in the past. There's two things. One, uh, I will now insert the observation that she's operating out of the steam trunk distribution venue. Uh, yeah, right, right. 
Right. A little uh, Western for you there. And then uh, the second thing, this is, speaking of how she's being uh, coached on her uh, you know, responses and tried to you know, sort of prep her answers, uh, the next time we talk, we have a, when we have a, an opportunity to speak uh, more at length, remind me to tell you about the time, and by the time I mean this past Saturday, when I helped to run the, uh, helped to run, but I helped, I was there taking part in the uh, auditions. That also makes it sound like I'm auditioning. I was at the uh, auditions for America's Next Top Model uh, here, in, uh, here in Portland, and I got to, uh, I got to crush the dreams of dozens. So it's, it's, it, it, which I know is just like the biggest tease because I can't really pay it off right now. Uh, oh, the, man. the next time we talk, though, I will give you the sort of lowdown. Okay. Uh, I was sort of an ancillary player in that whole thing. So I'll, uh, I'll fill you in on that the next time we speak. All right. Until that, I, so we're uh, way behind. And now you got a busy day anyway. So we will speak at uh, some point in the immediate future. All right. Thank okay. you, Lisa. Okay. Right, thank there you. There you go. And Tim, you missed that whole thing yesterday as well. What's that? Well, never mind. I'll, <laughs> we come back. I will. I'll play you some stuff for the America's Next Top Model uh, auditions, Tim, because you missed that. And I've got that great soundbite from Matt Bush uh, crying like a little girl. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Crime is down in Portland, but murders are up. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. In mere moments, uh, we resume with Tim Riley at the news desk. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Peter Carlin from The Oregonian. Also from The Oregonian, uh, music editor Ryan White will join us here uh, with what you might call a contentious question. It's actually not that contentious. It could be. There's a, the, uh, so he has posed this question at, uh, at the Oregonian website. Uh, it's, it's already causing it's, it's causing a bit of a ruckus, apparently. So he uh, he wrote this column about the definitive American band, and he said, you know, what is the definitive American band? What band best represents and uh, you know exemplifies America? And I guess it just turned as these things always do. It turned into just one big huge slugfest, which is the bunch of music nerds uh, kind of punching it out online. So we're gonna have it uh, on the show tomorrow have to talk about that. I want to mention two real brief things here before we uh, before we uh, plunge on into uh, the Tim Riley segment, only because I teased these earlier, and I want to make sure that we get to them. This is uh, very brief. This is from TampaBay.com. Treasure Island. A woman has been arrested after accosting her living boyfriend with a pink sex toy. Kimberly Lynn Calvert... Uh, was Kimberly, Lynn? Kimberly Lynn was arrested Wednesday on a charge of simple battery. Police say an intoxicated Calvert first yelled at John Anthony Gonzalez, with whom she has been living for five months. She then began, quote... Poking him in the groin area several times with the sex toy. <laughs> he had enough and called 911. And story what number two. A pansy, really? And it really, I mean, she it was just. poking me. <laughs> and it seems like that's a 911 call they ought to give us by now. And finally, from uh, Houston Chronicle. A woman accused in the shooting death of her common law husband told police her gun accidentally fired while they were playing a game of. Dirty Cowboy during sexual foreplay, a Harris County prosecutor said. Deborah Parker, 38, is charged with manslaughter and being a felon in possession of a firearm. She remains in the Harris County Jail on bail of $60,000. She is accused of recklessly causing the death of her longtime companion, Broderick Krakian, at the couple's apartment. Krakian was shot in the chest, the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office said. His death was ruled a homicide. She loves him, and this is just a terrible accident, said Parker's court-appointed attorney, Murray Newman. She called 911 after the shooting occurred. She made a statement that she accidentally shot Krakian during sexual foreplay, said Prosecutor Marcy McCorvey. She describes it as playing, quote, dirty cowboy, end quote, said McCorvey. She admitted to being in possession of the handgun and using it as a toy during foreplay. 
Both McCorvey and Newman declined to elaborate on what type of foreplay the couple was engaged in or what dirty cowboy might mean. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. 847, it's going to be the 80s today, 90s tomorrow, sunny skies. Big traffic congestion, I-5 northbound at Southwest Corbin, involving a motorcycle and two cars. That is an injury accident. Earlier this morning, you can expect some uh, traffic types due to a tree that plowed into a house on Southwest 170th Avenue in Beaverton. Pull some power lines down there. A U.S. Marshal arrested a man wanted for armed robbery in Coos Bay at a Eugene Motel 6 with a local stripper. <laughs> That's what it says here. Dean John Perry. Tim, I won't traffic in stereotypes in the show. Was I won't found have at the Motel 6 in Eugene. He was on probation for two separate convictions, including a weapons violation dating back to 1999. Uh, police have named him a suspect in the Coos Bay robbery and a person of interest. He was considered armed and dangerous. Yet the stripper didn't seem to care. They tracked him over to the Motel 6 and began a covert surveillance. Once the little lady got inside, they knocked on the door, and there he was. Well, you come with me to the Motel 6. <laughs> That would be fantastic. Where was the Motel 6? Where? Is it U- Eugene? Eugene on International yeah. Way. So That's great. has an international flavor to it. By the way, you'll note that I didn't uh, press down on details for th- th- what she did at a Renaissance Fair where she ran into Timothy Hutton. So we'll uh, we'll get that out of her at some point. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Pat Buchanan thinks Levi Johnston should be drowned. With regard to Levi, oh, please. I, think first, <laughs> please. I think first dude up there in Alaska, Todd Palin, ought to take Got Levi it. down to the creek <laughs> and hold his head underwater until the thrashing stops. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, well, all right then. I thought you were being sort of kooky. Facetious. I thought it was like a whimsical, like a figurative sort of drowning. Splash like a little water on his face. Drown him in help. Drown him in love or no, accolades. It's, it's a serious drowning. And drown in hosannas. Mm-hmm. Actually, just drown in water. You know, only Pat Buchanan could say that, though, and make me smile. He uh, warms my heart, so. It's true. Uh, Debbie Rowe says she'll take five easy payments of $900,000 to just go away forever. That's mighty Christian of her. Uh, meanwhile, she reportedly saw Michael Jackson's buttocks on several occasions, and she gave him uh, numerous shots in that area prior to some acne treatments at her, uh, not her salon, but her dermatologist. Uh, <laughs> this uh, text at 52051 says this is about the America's Next Up Model thing. says, oh, Rick Emerson, don't pretend you like you didn't want to audition. Uh, and then uh, below that, well, see, now it's just stripper combat. We'll, have to re- we'll revisit this tomorrow. We'll revisit the issue of this stripper. We really don't have to. No, no, because clearly I feel like there's... Everybody loves strippers. Uh, that's apparently so, Tim. But that's it's a, in a chaste uh, sort of way. Or in a Eugene Motel 6 running from the law kind of way. Now, for the first time ever, Comcast says it is streaming HBO and Cinemax shows, movies, and other online content... To 5,000 subscribers in the test market in Philadelphia on the internets. That is fantastic. You're going to be able to watch uh, television shows. Oh, real real quickly here, before before we uh, wrap things up, Tim, you missed this story yesterday. I did. So I, will, I missed a lot yesterday. I'm going to give you this the context. We missed you. Then I'll play you I the soundbite. Well, I still don't even feel like I'm here, kind of. Is the medication wearing off, or is it finally kicking in? I can't quite tell. It's that, and I feel like it's nap time. We'll all be at full steam tomorrow. You sound, Actually, you sound much more awakened with it than you did, let's say, three and a half hours ago. Yes. So I think that uh, wherever you're at right now, medication-wise, this is where you should well, maintain. I'm not used to taking drugs. The, uh, this is from, uh, this is from uh, uh, over the weekend. There's a uh, former Major League Baseball player, and player is sort of a loose term here. A guy named Matt Bush. He was at one point the... He was a uh, a first-round uh, draft pick for the uh, San Diego Padres. He got a $3 million signing bonus. 
He never actually played a major league game ever, 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 ever. Not once. So $3 million, he was a first-round pick, never actually played, and now apparently just sits around and, according to the uh, cops, uh, guzzles a lot of booze and occasionally picks fights with lacrosse players. Lacrosse players. So he gets he gets drunk. He uh, is drunk, disorderly, resisting arrest. The cops have to hogtie him. They throw him on the ground, they hogtie him, and they pick him up while hogtied and stick him in the back of, of a car. Keep in mind, this is a grown man. This is a uh, professional athlete, sort of. This is the sound of Matt Bush being arrested by the man. And then he begins sobbing. Like a child. Just one more time. There's somebody else laughing. No, that was him crying. Oh, wait. Do you have the Howard Dean? Let's just do it. Now we're going to do some sort of master mix with that and the uh, the guy calling 911 because he got bitten. Oh, we have to. Uh, it, before we wrap this up, we should uh, remind everybody, if you go to KUFO.com right now, you can take part in the half-off sale. All right, then get a pair of two-day passes to the Bymart Salute to the Troops 125 NASCAR race. It happens uh, July 18th and 19th. That's this Saturday and Sunday at PIR. It is half-off. Uh, so you go to KUFO.com and get that for half of what it would normally cost you. That is a pair of two-day passes. The Bymart Salute to the uh, Troops 125 NASCAR race. You go there to KUFO.com. You can get those uh, for half what it would normally cost. So that is fantastic. KUFO.com. Uh, if you are caller 10 right now, though, at 503-228-4101, we will give you a pair of those. And again, you, uh, if you are not uh, lucky enough to be caller 10, you can go to KUFO.com, buy them for half off, part of our half off sale. All right, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, and Lisa Desjardins from the Hill. We want to thank uh, Ultimate Fighter Randy Couture and Don Taylor uh, joining us from Cinematical. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101, KUFO in the uh, newsroom. It is Tim Riley, uh, back and uh, fully revitalized. Uh, production assistant is Greg Nibbler. The front desk at the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. The webmistress Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. Executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. Coming up next, it is Smells Like the 90s. It is Tuesday, July 14th, 2009, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.